one of these late night movies with Rob and Zach. This is a podcast about cinematic oddities where we discuss any media that is too bizarre, abnormal, or off-kilter for contemporary audiences. Occasionally, these projects gel. Most times, they crash hard into the realm of obscurity. Join us as we delve into the cult classic swamp. I'm Zach. And I'm going to rip his mask off, look him straight in the eye, and swing with old Huckleberry here. Night, night. Night, night. <laughs> okay, here's we have the biggest question to ask. Why did they not get Paul Rudd to come back and play Tommy Doyle in this movie? Do you think they Paul couldn't afford him? They couldn't afford Paul Rudd. But in... he's making that sweet, but sweet. Marvel they got Anthony bang. Michael Hall, and if you if you compare them to his movie stars, Anthony Michael Hall blows Paul Rudd out of the water. <laughs> Anthony Michael Hall never's done a Judd Apatow movie, so that gives him more <laughs> more credit, I think. <laughs> fair, fair. Uh, I uh, I do know, of course, and this leads me into my next top question for you, Zach, is uh, uh, that this movie, uh, this trilogy, I should say, is disregarding everything except the first Halloween from 1978, I'm pretty sure. There's a little handy-dandy diagram on uh, the Wikipedia page for the Halloween franchise. Where really? Every, yeah, it's, it's just like a little flowchart, you know, just with the timeline and where they branch off. It looks like... Doc Brown in Back to the Future 2 explaining what Marty did to the timelines when he took the almanac back from the future, um, where it's just little offshoots. But it is very sad, maybe not sad, actually, with with some of the ways these movies have turned out, that there's just one singular little unconnected dot out in the corner for Halloween 3 Season of the Witch. (laughs) I know. It's funny, because in all the reviews I was reading, watching, listening to for Halloween Ends, Compared to when we talked about that film three years ago, it's – good lord. That film has had like a meteoric rise in popularity. OK, like, good. It's no as longer it should. Halloween, yeah. it, it, as it should. It's no <laughs> longer the uh, Halloween 3 season of The Witch. Like, oh, the one without Michael Myers. It's, oh, most likely the second best film in the franchise. And I'm like – like, I went back and re-listened to our season of The Witch discussion, mm-hmm. and I'm just like, wow, talk about rehabilitation of a film in such a short span of time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and, and like, and I think a lot of that comes down to – and I don't know if we've ever touched upon we, – we've had to have touched upon it at some point. But even like Rob being able to buy like the, the pumpkin mask from that movie yep. and like – even in party like the party city here in good old Po Town, like they had all three of them. Like you didn't have to buy it online. You could literally walk into a store, buy each of those masks, and go home. That is pretty cool. That's bonkers. Like that's <laughs> insane to think about that. Like th- that is a readily available item. And I would imagine like every major city has a party city. And I I I, I could not wrap my head around the idea of that being something you could buy in the moment. And that clearly shows that there's uh, money on the table, which means that the popularity is definitely uh, exponentially higher than it was three years ago. Okay, right on. That's good. That's good to hear. But that, of course, that's the one that they all all the movies ignore, <laughs> um, except I guess kind of for Halloween Kills. But those are those masks are more of a cameo, I would say. Probably my favorite cameo in Halloween Kills, <laughs> um, over Anthony Michael Hall. Uh, but. Uh, my my question with this ignoring of sequels and stuff, which is something we've talked about before with with franchises, and and it's something that just seems to be getting more and more common. I, I'm I'm gonna guess Zach that in maybe a week from this episode's release, maybe maybe a month uh, at tops, I would say they are going to announce Halloween 2023 
which is a sequel to Halloween 2018 that ignores Halloween Kills and Halloween Ends, <laughs> but also somehow retcons Halloween 2018 to be a sequel to Halloween 2007 instead of Halloween 1978. <laughs> my question for you, yeah, well, that's my question. Who would direct this new trilogy? To add on to Halloween 2007, Halloween 2018, I have I have a, I have an answer that I think could work, and it would tie another Halloween-like movie into it. But who do you think, after David Gordon Green, kind of <sighs> fell off with this trilogy? It seems everybody seems to to think. Uh, who else? Who else would they bring Rob Zombie back? Is Rob Zombie even still alive? I really he's, don't he's know. Making, he made the monsters. He made like like the, the cheesy, corny the monsters that like uh, doesn't feel like the monsters. Okay, I don't know if I had heard it's available about this. at Walmart for fourteen ninety nine on Blu ray. Like it's it's <laughs> it's a weirdly ubiquitous uh, physical home video release. Like weirdly, like everywhere you go, like I'm pretty sure like Eckerd's still ha- like has it, and Eckerd's has been closed for like almost twenty years now. <laughs> I was about to say I haven't heard that name in forever. <laughs> <laughs> about to say like the goddamn. Has and the actors hasn't been open for about twenty goddamn years. Um, I don't know who. Like, I, it should be said that like apparently David Gordon Green's like working on the Exorcist revamp. I did like, see that. That's listed as upcoming stuff on Letterboxd. Yeah. yeah, and so I'm just like, like, clearly they're happy with him. Like he's he did his job. Mm-hmm. I think they pumped in the ballpark of maybe a combined production budget of these three films of a hundred. I'm uh, sorry, fifty million, and it easily uh, did. 10 times that so he is very much in a safe place right now so i i don't know where you go with halloween after this like i think they're gonna put this on ice for a few years the the question i think really has to be begged is with oh god the last four years of these three movies making that much money why on earth is like where's sean cunningham like where's the (laughs) west craven estate like you have these properties that clearly at this point a new generation has found them and they've just been sitting on ice. And I'm just like like I, I, I it's funny, I did more research also on the Friday the 13th like litigation of the franchise. And in Nightmare on Elm Street is also just so simply as in like the estate gets to decide what goes forward with this. Okay. And I even saw somebody tweet online they're like I will I have a good pitch regardless of what it is, you will make a buttload of money. Like just like <laughs> yeah. like it's so weird that these these franchises are behind closed doors right now. Yeah, and no, you have, I'm like definitely with you. You have like a Netflix Leatherface movie, which it's kind of like it's stupid, but it was amusing enough. Yes, um, yes. and like, of course, there's uh, the, Hellraiser, the new Hellraiser. Yes, that um, that nobody should care about. We, That's another franchise. We will that also never have to compare the um, the the homophobia and transphobia that is going around that movie on the internet with something I I'm going to have to ask you about. We have to going to talk about Little John and Big John in Halloween Kills, of course. Hell yeah, <laughs> hell yeah. <laughs> but no, just to just to finish up, I I think that um. And I was definitely given this idea by the um, the recommended titles after I was watching these Halloween movies on you know Peacock and stuff like that. I think that in 2023, when we get our Halloween and uh, it ignores you know the many of the movies, it's going to be Tyler Perry and we're going to get Medea oh. uh, involved because Medea did we, we have Medea Halloween movie? we did and it's going to now become in canon to the Halloween Michael Myers <laughs> franchise <laughs> and with Tyler Perry trying to become you know more serious and stuff in his in his like 
this part of his career, I think that uh, they they would be like, you know, give it a take. And um, there's, of course, going to be people in the marketing department drooling at the fact that they're going to be able to make money and also say that there are a, um, you know, this is now a black family tied to the Halloween thing, you know? Let's let's do some race swapping. That's that's the rage these days. And they could do Tyler Perry can pump out content super fast. So that's why I'm saying it's going to be announced in like a month. You're right. <laughs> I, I like to imagine Tyler Perry drives by like Jordan Peele's house and throws a brick through a window. <laughs> it was me first. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, in, in all honesty, I really do like Tyler Perry. I've seen maybe one Medea movie. I, I can't say I'm like aware of the massive amount of television content he puts out or at least has his name on but the stuff i've seen him in he's, he's always been fine i mean i think he's one of the more interesting parts of gone girl playing the ben affleck's lawyer mm-hmm. um but but yeah that was that was my thought because uh for some reason it recommended me boo a Medea halloween on peacock after watching halloween ends <laughs> Well, you know, they're tangentially related. Of they course. have the word hollow. They have a, the word Halloween in the title. Yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, well, so everybody in a year from now, we will have to uh, kick off the the next Halloween trilogy, and um, we'll have to see how the flowchart on Wikipedia grows and grows. <laughs> <laughs> now that they have to get Medea in there. Like I, again, obviously, we have three films to talk about this episode, so I don't want to spend too much of it just uh, prognosticating, but. Considering how much the last latter two films of this trilogy lean into the season of the witch thing, mm-hmm. they have to be like it's still so weird that we have not gotten like a a horror anthology like film franchise. Sure, sure. That like is around Halloween. Like considering that like there's so much money in this holiday right now from just a marketing angle. Why isn't there like this is your perfect time now to sit there and do another season of the witch not as a sequel to that but just like another just let's try an anthology movie like we've made so much money and you sit there call it XYZ a Halloween tale yep. and you sit there make the Halloween font the same as the Halloween as in John Carpenter and you do and you just you market it properly and and that's what you should do. Like and you sit like there's got to be a way to sit there and we pump five million dollars a year into this and make twenty times that. Oh, absolutely. There, there has to be. They, 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 and all three of these movies, this um David Gordon Green Halloween trilogy, they're all Blumhouse movies. Blumhouse has been trying to do the uh, anthology horror, but on streaming services. I know Hulu has Into the Dark, where every movie is it's it's not Halloween specific or even the franchise or that holiday, but like there's a movie for every holiday. You know, mm-hmm. like the mm-hmm. the one that Ben and I covered where the Pilgrim reenactors take over um a, a family's house and it's eerily similar to mother um, <laughs> um but then also on uh, amazon prime which unfortunately seems to be over because ben and i love talking about them on the patreon the welcome to the blumhouse series and that's that's very much they're all different like oh there's four six of them or something eight maybe even there's a lot and they're just like halloween spooky little tales type of thing and so Blumhouse, they have the name, they have the IP. I could totally see them doing something like that, or at least they should be thinking about doing something like you were saying, like a Halloween tale. Yeah, I, that, that that's a very weird one considering how uh, this film very much wants the, the ends, wants to divorce itself from the Michael Myers aspect mm-hmm. of, of all this. Very, very interesting as to where this goes from here. Other than simply like, okay, it's gonna be the Batman thing. We're gonna put it on ice for three to two to three years, yeah. and then we're gonna come back with it. Like that's just, I would imagine there's a marketing plan on a hard drive somewhere that <laughs> explains all of this. Um, do Do you know if because I think like we talked about, if I'm remembering correctly from our season of the witch episode, that there that was 
in essence, their plan to some extent was to anthologize it. Do you know if they had any other like scripts or any like treatments for where that 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 anthology or like another story in that anthology? Or I, since I that was so poorly know. received, they just never put the word. Season in. of the I, I don't think so. I think it was again. <sighs> 80s Halloween is so weird because, like, John Carpenter won nothing to do with it. Like, he only came back to Halloween 2 because it was like, okay, we're doing this with or without you. Mm-hmm. And he's like, okay, like, a paycheck's a paycheck. Like, why? Again, if they're going to do it, might as well make money off of it. And so it's like, okay, I'm going to tie this up with a nice bow, like Dr. Loomis and, and Michael Myers, like, explode in the hospital. <laughs> and then. Yeah. I think exactly. I've seen those clips, yeah. <laughs> It's again, it, it's fun. Like, it's a fun enough movie. And then, like, Season of the Witch was like, okay, like, we're going to try to, like, okay, we have this cachet now. Like, let's swing for the fences. And then just mass audiences reject it. And it's like, okay, this is done. Then I don't think it's not until, like, I think 87, 88 that you get the return of Michael Myers. Okay. And by that point, the slasher genre, for the most part, is over. Like, Friday the 13th is by that point, I think, on its sixth or seventh installment. You're on your third or fourth nightmare on elm street like it, it felt very much like considering that halloween was the was the the point to all this and then by the time michael myers shows up again it's like he's very much late to the party okay that's a good point there yeah. i've never heard i would imagine probably on set of season of which they were kicking around ideas mm-hmm. i have never seen anything like concrete as an okay like if, if this succeeded this is where we wanted to go i think it was like okay like let's i, I think very much it was let's see what happens and we'll take it from there okay because the turnaround so. time for horror has always been just expedited they probably didn't pour any more any formal thought into it Okay, gotcha. Yeah, I was just curious because that'd be cool if they could dig up like an old. Oh, this might have been, you know, I if if like you were saying, like like what you were saying with the newfound popularity of Halloween Three: Season of the Witch. I think that would be definitely interesting to some people as a marketing technique, saying, "Hey, we're gonna do this," like you said, blank a Halloween tale or something like that. And oh, we're even you know, basing it off of what the the original franchise wanted to turn into, or something like that, and really upsell it. And some people would be like, "That's interesting to see in a five second YouTube ad before I skip it," you know that type of thing. <laughs> <laughs> but that's like I said, we're in a, again horror is in such a weird place because for a while there, everybody was panicking because like it was becoming the James Wan thing of just mm-hmm. The Conjuring, The Nun, Annabelle. And we seem to be walking away from that and that like horror now is just once again a shotgun approach is to what, whatever – like it's so cheap to make. <laughs> yeah. It's hard to not make money. Again, probably Smile is going to make more money than Halloween Ends like at, at the box office just simply because like it it, it was going to be a direct-to-streaming movie. It tested phenomenally well. So they're like, OK, like we got nothing to lose. So they put it in the theaters and it keeps kind of like making money. Yeah, like, yeah. Or it's probably took away probably anywhere from five to ten million dollars from Halloween ends opening weekend. And yeah, like I, I, in a weird way, you can make the argument that every Halloween season for movies, there's at least one or two just generic horror movies that make it into theaters. And you could say that is the true anthology series. <laughs> sure. And that you get these weird just kind of crapshoots that are the nature of the Hollywood beast. So you could say that it's weird that they've never tried to go back to that, considering that again, clearly there's an affinity now both by the studio, the filmmakers and a portion of the movie going audience that likes season of the witch now. Sure, and really, this sure. is taboo. Like, it, it really makes me reevaluate my thoughts because I remember that was a controversial thing in that episode when we discussed that. And the idea of it, me saying it wasn't uh, a good late night movie because it's too jarring. 
Um, I, I still think to mass audiences, I it would be jarring because it just it goes from zero to sixty way too fast. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but I do think that people are again every single person who walks into a party city and sees that and sees the logo. At least once a day, someone's going to sit there, turn on a streaming service, and try to find that some somewhere in the world. So right it's it's going to be interesting to see how this works, especially now that like there is all again, like Rob said, there's the flow chart that explains all this, and then you have one little little poster like <laughs> like image that is very much secluded. Um, yeah, I, again, it, it's great in that regard that it's finally getting its due, even though like it's getting its due in more just a the aspect of the masks as opposed to. The actual content of the film. Exactly. Yeah, I'm with you there. Now, speaking of our older Halloween episodes, which is just Halloween 3 Season of the Witch, you know, from that many years ago, I I did not go back and listen to that one. I also did not go back and listen to – I forget what it was called, but it was our placeholder or, or the replacement the bonus, the bonus for episode. Else. Yes. And if I'm remembering correctly, Zach, and I think this is a, a, a good transition into Halloween 2018 and maybe this, this trilogy as a whole, I remember – I think if – like I said, correct me if I'm wrong, but in Halloween 3 episode, I think we must have talked about just the trailer for the, the new Halloween. And then by the time we reached that December bonus episode, we that movie had already come out. And I remember there was the notion of you being so angry with that trailer. And then at some point, maybe like I said, I might have my episodes wrong. It's been so long. But then at some point you were like, no, I saw it. It's, it's, it's decent, you know? <laughs> Is that was that is that correct? Well, what happened was this was no this was the inaugural year of cinema. Yes. This was 2018. And it was in the Jason Goes to Hell discussion. Like oh, there was okay, like, okay. Like, I actually did also go back and listen to our uh, placeholder episode for Elves. I went back and listened to all that. And it's actually a really fun episode. Like this is when we actually really 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 cared about editing because there's a bunch of jumps like like cuz obviously it's just taking clips from that episode that were discarded mm-hmm. and making an episode out of it. We actually like put like Jason <laughs> <laughs> like in between each break to keep like it was actually a pretty clever episode. Like I think it's one of our obviously cuz it's only like about like, an hour long maybe. Sure. It's one of our least performing episodes, but I think it, it's clever after the fact. So, no, cuz like I saw the trailer for the 2018 Halloween movie back in 2018 and at that point, the slasher genre was definitively dead. Mm-hmm. And it's just like in everything you were reading, it's like the big hullabaloo at the time was like, oh, man, Jamie Lee Curtis is coming back. It's like, bitch, she came back in H20. <laughs> yeah. like, like, it's like, no, like Jamie Lee Curtis is a nightmare right now. It's like it's just social media. Like she will not stop. I'm like, like, it's like you were making yogurt commercials so you could poop better 15 years ago. Like, go away. You couldn't find work. <laughs> Like all due respect to Jamie Lee Curtis, like I love her. Like obviously in these movies, I love Freaky Friday. I love all the other stuff she's been in, kind of like a glorified character actress. But like you see stuff, it's like it's like Jamie Lee Curtis, like he puts Kanye in his place. I'm like, what? I'm like, what? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, like what is happening? Like, like, like this is the worst crossover ever. I'm like, I don't like. So that was the big tagline around 2018 Halloween. Was that notion of Jamie Lee Curtis coming back? It was just like all the stuff like, oh, we're going to do this right, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like I, – and plus they were completely overriding the whole thing about uh, them being like brother and sister. And it goes back to the whole J.J. Abrams thing from Star Trek 2009 where it's like we're just going to redo everything because we can because mm-hmm. we're better at it than they were in the past. We, we, again, it drives me nuts when they do that. And it's so fascinating now that like we are now, what, 13 years removed from J.J. Abrams 2009 
seven seven going on eight years away from the force awakens where it's just like oh we're gonna sit there just rewrite uh rewrite continuity and yet it all comes back to the original continuity like they realized i don't know maybe very passively they realize their hubris and they're like yeah you know what a lot of this was good we just we were high on ourselves at the time <laughs> sure so like i said i go into halloween 2018 very similarly to like how i did with dr sleep a year later and i'm like i like i I have an axe to grind. Like, this is going to be bad. Like, all the stuff I was reading about, like, oh, like, the film begins with two podcasters going to, like, interview him. I'm like, again, and I think at the time, too, I was reading that Slash of the Titans book with about, like, the history of Freddy versus Jason where they were going to have, like, a court trial for Jason. (laughs) Yeah. And I'm just like, oh, my God. And, like, it's Blumhouse. Blumhouse is, like, the curators of just, like, contemporary schlock. Like, they're the modern-day version of Roger Corman. And I'm just like, oh my god, like this is this is the worst way to do this. I'm like, and again, I'm like, I want Jason, I want Freddy, I want these characters back. And plus, Michael Myers, for the most part, had been, oh god, like you watch any of the sequels outside of the first two, and like it's so bad, just how he looks, how he walks. It's it's so cheap because it was a combination of just the producers didn't care, and then you got the stupid Weinstein's into it at one point, and they really don't care, and. I'm just like this, like everything about this feels wrong. So I go see it in 2018. My mother even went with me because I think she obviously she liked the original Halloween. She liked Jamie Lee Curtis. And I remember walking out of it and just being like, that, that was that was kind of like good, if not great. <laughs> like like from from the slasher perspective, not like as in like it redefining cinema. And I'm like, this is kind of great. And so I'm like, okay, like I can't wait to like rewatch this again. So like it was one of those stupid things that like Regal did back in the day where like, oh, if you see these four movies, like you get a digital copy the moment they're released. So like I remember like the digital copy for that came out like right like during Christmas time. Like it was a really fast turnaround. And like I didn't even wait for the Blu-ray. Like I sat there, like watched the digital copy. And I'm like, like I'm really kind of like apprehensive being like, am I going to still like this? And like I rewatched it. I'm like, this is really good for like what it's going for. Like, again, just to really go right into the film. Like there's the moment where like when we see Michael like on the little like Haddonfield Street and it's like Halloween and you have the the black couple like getting into like the SUV and we just see him and like Michael just like walks into like the definition of a Halloween neighborhood like it's lit properly it has the right amount of leaves and he just walks into it and I'm just like this is great and we just have like in and very subtly you have the tracking shot which is a long take you know it's not really a long take we've bastardized long takes now it's all done through digital editing but like you have all that and you see like his like like reflection in the glass and then we like in the camera holds on the glass window it's like we see him walk around and the woman's on the cordless phone and we see him walk in and like we see him just stab her like through the neck and it's so just blatantly gory in a way that horror has not been i want to say probably since freddy versus jason and i'm just like this is it i'm like this is it this is exactly what i want this is like you figured it out danny mcbride and david gordon green you figured it out like he walks just right he does like you're hitting all the notes and then even the crescendo of the ending i don't want to say i want to delve into this a little bit more but just as an abstract even the whole thing of the rematch of laurie versus michael and she has her house and she's all prepared and she has like the closet doors they have this weird gate mechanism with like giant red emergency buttons like this is great like it's working like every ass like there's some clunky aspects that we'll get into like with the uh 
as the film affectionately refers to him as the new Loomis. Yeah. Um, <laughs> like, and, and like you have a bunch of that. And, and even to the point where like, I was willing to forgive the blast of me of, Oh, we caught him Halloween night. Uh, Deputy Hawkins caught him Halloween night. And I'm like, like that pisses me off. Cause you can't catch Michael Myers. Mm-hmm. He, he's a phantom. Um, that's what differentiates him from like your leather faces and things like that. He is a phantom. Like, even though he is a human being, he really isn't at the same time. He transcends that. And so I'm like, okay, like you're doing enough with this. And then obviously as the film ends where you have uh, Jamie Lee Curtis, Judy Greer, our fa- our favorite actress of all time, maybe second only to Naomi Watts. Love love Judy Greer, but as we'll talk about, the, she is such a bitch in the first two I movies. I know, I know, and it's great. Like, like Judy Greer is Judy Greering it up. <laughs> like, I, it, I, again, we'll get into Judy Greer. There's a lot to uh, dissect here. Um, and then like even how it ends where you sit there, like obviously you have like the house in flames and he's trapped and it's very cathartic. And that sense is like you've been building this up like, OK, she spent the last 40 years waiting for this moment and the, and the whole family tricked him. I'm like – and even the whole uh, uh, ramen like power thing. I'm like that's great. Like they get – like they hop into the back of the pickup truck and you see all that and you have like the um, – right before then you have like the uh, – I don't even want to call it like – razor blades that kind of separate the basement where they have him mm-hmm. captured and you see him just looking up and like and there's a thing of like i don't want to say helplessness but this thing of like you've caught the beats momentarily like yes. that is a victory in and of itself and it reminds me in somewhere if zenger ever listens to this he'll love this it reminds me of and this is a star wars deep cut from the force unleashed 2 ending where they somehow capture darth vader and they put him in uh, okay. a, a Star Trek Captain Pike's like chair. <laughs> like it's very weird, <laughs> but like it's the idea of like you've captured, like, even though he's not going to stay captured for long, you've captured him momentarily, and that's a victory. And it's like it. It was very like it was like it was very energizing as a slasher fan. Like you've done everything right. Um, the I like you you did it in a way that it has not been done properly. I'd say since two thousand three. And it was like, yes, like, I'm glad it succeeded. It was one of those very few times where a movie actually succeeding was a good thing for everybody involved. Sure. And and, and like I said, very, very positively uh, happy with that film, both in 2018 and even to this day. Okay. I, I have to agree. I mean, I did not see this in theaters. I eventually got a copy of it. And I think, you know, I, I had some people out here visiting me and they were like, oh, have you seen it, like the new Halloween? And I was like, no, and we ended up watching it, and I think they fell asleep, but I watched the whole thing. And I was like, that, that is, is good. And I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know if I loved it as much as you do, because, you know, slashers aren't really my thing. But it, it was very refreshing that it wasn't too, like, over the top. I mean, there's goofy moments, like, even on rewatching it for this recording, which is now the second time I've seen it, the, the psychiatrist stabbing the sheriff and putting on Michael Myers masks is just very strange to me. Um, but I know I, I guess that gets them to Laurie Strode's house. But yeah, you mentioned the scene about him, you know, circling the house and killing that woman. That's awesome. I love the whole like concept of Laurie just being like this recluse who just needs to be prepared and the whole town kind of sees her as this this weirdo or whatever they say in the the color of freak show or something like that in the in the halloween ends the weird marching band kid bullies but yeah i'm totally with you this is this is definitely the best out of the three i mean i I, i'm interested to see you know what what you're gonna say now about the others which i had never seen before i've only watched them now in the last few days for this recording but this is just like a fine just, you know, if, if you're gonna, I think this is what you were getting at, if you're gonna, like, ignore some sequels, if you're just gonna make a sequel to the original movie, 
and you know, especially now after seeing the original movie so recently, I'm like, this is a fine way to do it. You know, this is the he comes back after 40 years, Michael Myers, and you know, this is how it's changed our surviving characters from the first movie, and let's just see how you know the the world is impacted by him now. And it's simple, it's it's effective. They, they keep a lot of the same themes. And there's a lot of great visuals. Um, I want to mention the the checkerboard, all the the insane asylum at the beginning, like when the everybody's all the people except Michael Myers, all the patients start screaming. Like that's great. It was def- it's definitely a fun time. And I'm with you as someone who's not a big fan of this franchise. You know, not a big fan of these types of movies. Just like seeing them pull something off that just works with me is is excellent. You know, it's uh, it's it's just so like you said, refreshing. <laughs> Yeah, and I will say that even the uh, season of the witch discussion, I, I for completely forgot about this. That like I broached the topic to Rob. I'm like, Rob, I'm ret- retiring the projector for Halloween, and, <laughs> and you're like, but Zach, like that's an institution for you. <laughs> and I'm like, he's like, what are you doing instead? I'm like, Rob, like I'm putting on the Halloween 2018 mask. And I'm going to be Michael Myers. <laughs> like it, it fundamentally altered the way I even do Halloween, and I'm just like. Again, that's how enthralled I became with that movie. It just – it really just – it hit every single chord and I'm just like game on. So uh, in like the original plan for these movies was 2018 was going to be Hall- again the movie Halloween. Then 2019, you're getting the sequel and then you would get a third film in theory 2021. Yeah. Obviously, the state of the world did not permit that. So back in October of 21, uh, 2021, Halloween Kills comes out. And so, like, I was, I was jacked. I'm like, yeah, like, hell yeah. Like, I cannot goddamn wait. I'm like, like, w- again, like, the trailers were good. Like, seeing him coming out of the house, like, on fire. And you have, like, the, the fireman's, like, uh, the water hoses, like, kind of, like, glistening off him. I'm like, okay, like, I'm on board. Like, y- you've got me. So, like, I'm watching. I have to say, like, it's, like, seeing that in a theater. And even beforehand, like I like I think the Halloween Kills mask was like available at like Party City and a couple other places. And I'm like, I'm not going to buy like I already have the 2018 mask. I'm fighting the urge not to buy the OG mask. Sure. And I'm like, I'm going to sit there, hold off on the Kills mask until I see the movie and see if I like it. I'm like, why do I? Like, it's not that different of a mask. Like it just gets a little more fake singed things like that. Mm-hmm. So I go see Halloween Kills and it's probably the only time I remember I've ever seen a movie where I was practically on my on the edge of my seat the entire time. Okay. Like I was like, oh God, like I was just jacked to the tits. Like <laughs> I was just like pumped. Like the adrenaline was running through me to the point where at, at, at toward the end, I was holding Rachel's hand and I was squeezing it because I was that freaking engaged with this movie. I'm okay. like, so like, I, so I'm sitting through the movie and obviously it begins with a flashback for the most part. And I'm just like, what is – like I should say for all of these, I did really not go in reading any spoilers. Oh, um, gotcha. For Halloween Ends, I knew a little bit about it, but I didn't know how – I didn't know the major plot beats, but I knew what was – where it was going. And so for Halloween Kills, like I'm watching it and I'm like, you have these flashbacks and like it's it's right after obviously like we see Loomis look over the uh, – what would you want to call it? The balcony and Michael's not there. Mm-hmm. And I'm like don't – like I said, I don't like it when they mess with that because I still think one of the most brilliant moments, not just in horror movies but in cinema, is the – he shoots Michael. Michael falls off the balcony. Uh, uh, Lori and Dr. Loomis talk and she goes, was that the boogeyman? He goes, I think so. He looks over the balcony. He's gone. And then you have the score really start to swell and you have him look, Dr. Loomis. um, Oh my God! What's Doctor? Oh my God! Uh, Doc, 
Donald Pleasance. Yeah. For a second, I almost said Donald uh, Forsythe. <laughs> um, um, and so you have that, and there's always the the famous Halloween tw- uh, 1978 production story of Lumi- of oh my god, Donald Pleasance going to John Carpenter, being like, "There's two ways to play this. Do you want me to play this shocked, or do you want me to play this as?" I was afraid this was going to happen. Mm-hmm. And to this day, one of the most brilliant creative decisions – and apparently um, Donald Pleasance let John Carpenter film both and said, I'll let you decide that thing. Okay. And to this day, one of the most brilliant creative decisions of all time was the idea of I was afraid this was going to happen. Like this is somebody who has transcended into some level of just – into the supernatural. Yeah. Like, And that's a really fascinating idea of having a person who is very much – again, you see him just, what, two, three minutes beforehand. Laurie rips his mask off, and we see him, and he's kind of this kind of crazed-looking just guy in his early 20s to then within minutes transcend into this ghoulish phantom. And I'm like, great. So when Halloween Kills begins and you see him just walking around, like we, at this point you know he's been shot, what, five, six times? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it's like, OK, like what's happening? And then you have the um, sheriff or Sheriff Hawkins character with the other just you know, deputy like walking around the Myers house being like, oh, look, like there's a gutter that went through the window. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm just like, oh, God, like are we really going to highlight things that happened tonight? I, again, it's like I'm nervous. I don't know where they're going with this. They've had now pretty much three years to kind of think about this movie. Oh, yeah. And one of them – doesn't one of the cops mention the dead dog and the other one's like, yes. what? And they're like, nothing. <laughs> yes. And I'm like, oh, OK. You know? It's it's very like – it's not clunky, but it's very much just point – it's the remember berries thing. Yeah, yeah. That's that's actually the way I was thinking about it because, like I said, not knowing anything about this about these movies, uh, kills or ends going into them, I, I was like seeing this flashback at the start of Halloween Kills and – I definitely thought it came across to me as like the recap segment at a beginning yes, of a TV yes. show where it's like previously on Lost and it's like just so the audience can be like, okay, I need to remember that for this episode now, you know, which always bothers the shit out of me. I hate those TV recap things, um, but that's what it came across to me as. And that it does like it's like even because re- I had not rewatched Kill since the theaters Except for preparation of this recording in the last few like, like week or so, mm-hmm. and so like I again like in the theater I'm watching that moment and I'm just I'm, I'm watching all these moments and I'm just like okay like what are we getting at like is it is that what this movie's going to be again very weird to have it begin with a flashback very very weird considering how the first film like it, it's paying remembrance to that first film but very much its own thing. And I'm just like, okay. And then you have obviously Michael shows up. He takes the the partner in hand and you have Hawkins accidentally shoot the partner in the neck because Michael is really sitting there like putting them between each other. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, wow. And then like obviously the uh, Hawkins go over, goes over to his partner and it's like, I was one day away from retiring. <laughs> and like, like you have one of those. And I'm like, okay. Like, but again, like it's like the idea of having the killer be sadistic. That's what makes them scary is that this is somebody that's relishing their evil. Even if they're not doing it like in the Freddy Krueger way of like pointing and laughing at it, that idea of of the person making a person decide, the the individual, the victim decide like, okay, like you want a shot at me? Here's your price. Are you going to shoot your friend? And it's done so in the moment subconsciously without dialogue. And then we have the whole thing where like he tries to save his partner, his partner dies like – I don't care about that. And then we see they did Ultron, Dr. Loomis. Yes, yes. And I'm just like, and I wasn't expecting that. And it's like I said, Donald Pleasance is such a fun character, even in like Halloween's four, five, and six. Um, he He's such a fun character, even though it's, again, it's 
Ultron, as Chris Porteous would say, Dr. Loomis. It's fun. He's like, Sheriff Hawkins, is it? Did you get him? Like, like, and like, this is great. And like, this whole thing that like the film like begins with like, okay, like, I, but they like what they're about to like execute him like in the front yard of the house. Then we like snap cut back to like the current timeline. And I'm like, okay, like this is intriguing. Like, like, like it's not as clunky as the 2018 movie made it sound where it was like, Sheriff Hawkins is the one who caught him that night. Sure. Like, like I can very easily imagine him like putting handcuffs on him and like reading him his Miranda rights. <laughs> and I'm like, oh God, no, pl- please, please don't make this into something like that. And it's like, no, like, retroactively you made me appreciate the lore you established in the 2018 movie so i'm like okay like you are not just keeping me happy in the moment you're making something i already love even better so i'm like well done movie well done and so halloween kills obviously is is begins doing its thing where it's it's a lot of member berries i again i don't mind member berries if it serves the plot of the film um, I just don't like it when the movie stops in its tracks. Sure. Like it, there's a difference between stopping and pointing out, oh, look, there's that thing we like. And then just we drive past it and we point to it as we're going. And yes, we get to the bar where we have Anthony Michael Halls, Tommy Doyle. We have uh, what Kyle Richards is, Lindsay Wallace. We have the nurse character from the car, yeah. <laughs> Dr. Loomis, which is, oh, God, that is just a like, like I guess it was a reunion 40 years later for like all the people that were tangible tangentially affected by all this like it's it's clunky it's very very clunky but it's i find it so just jarringly cute if i can even call it that like there's something it's jarring but it's cute i'm like it's probably bad on a screenwriting level but i appreciate it for what it is (laughs) like i'm a bad person like sue me um so you have all that and of course you have the whole thing where it's uh Anthony Michael Hall who is this we should say he is hamming it up to like the 11s right like oh, he yeah. is he's he knows what he's doing he's a competent enough actor none of this is by accident you know definitely i mean i i really like anthony michael hall as he's gotten in, uh, all like older and and gotten away from you know the um breakfast club and 16 candles and stuff like that you know he had a little turn as one of the villains on warehouse 13 that he's really fun in he's of course in maybe like a few Law and Orders here and there and stuff like that, and he's, he's just good fun. And yeah, he's hamming it up. He's he's going crazy. I, I as we're going through Halloween Kills, you know th- that I'm with you in that opening scene. Even though it comes across as like a recap, I also appreciated them actually like doing some show and, and showing off like how Michael Myers got captured because that did get my ears perked up in the 2018 movie. When of course it starts and he's back in some insane asylum, you know, and I'm like, he definitely did not get caught at the end of the 1978 movie, you know. Um, so I, I like seeing that, and then just as they introduce, like you know, like you said, the member berries, all these characters, and be like, you know, oh here's Lonnie, and he and here's like you said, the nurse, and here's like the friend that survived, and all these characters come in, and then they start introducing characters we don't even know that are also just like, oh I'm so indebted to this town and. And here's just like a picture of somebody who died, you know, when he was killed by Michael Myers on that night. And this is where it just starts to get so bloated for me. And I just start to get so bored with all these characters. Like, I really like the simplicity of the first of the 2018 movie, which I guess would be the second in this in this line of the franchise, that it was 
here you go. You got Lori Strode. This is what happened to her family. This is how she feels, that type of thing. And then you kind of got the new Loomis who goes crazy, like I said, which is goofy. Here they're just like everybody in the town cares about this. And it, it just started to get so bloated. It started to get so bored. And I just kind of, as the movie went on, of course there's some interesting moments. You know, the silver shamrock masks, <laughs> the, the strangeness of how little John and Big John speak to each other. Oh, no, no, no. Yeah, we'll, we'll get okay, to, sure, to sure. Halloween, okay, I should, okay, because I want to get into this mo Okay, so Rob is 100% right. I, I think there's a lot of um, fat to trim from this. But as Rob sees it as fat gristle, I see it as a steak with some delicious, juicy fat just on it. Oh, sure. I, we, I was getting the sense that, you know, when I was watching Halloween Kills and I was like, a lot of my notes are like, you know, certain things are happening. And I'm like, this movie does, is all over the place. I don't think it knows what it wants to be. Like, I forgot main characters were in the movie. They're like disregarded for so long. There's so much gore, and I'm just like, well, well, okay, hold, hold on, hold on, hold on. I wanted to mention malignant. That's what I was thinking that we would we would well, come okay. at this in a malignant sense. The two of well, us. Well, this is malignant again. Malignant is such an anomaly because it's the the reason why malignant is so important because this is James, malignant is important. I have to reiterate this a year later is that James <laughs> Wan had a literal blank check sure. from Warner Brothers for for Aquaman. He's like, I'm going to put it all on this, and they're like, really? And he's like, yup. They're like. Are you sure? He doesn't even blink. He's like, absolutely all of it on this now. And like, and that was it. Like that's, again, that's why Malignant's a masterpiece is because somebody took all of their clout and cachet and put it on that. That's why <laughs> that film will always be legendary. But that's, that's neither here nor there for this uh, moment. But this is the thing. So getting back to Halloween Kills, like you have all this stuff happening on, like you have like the stupid like bar and, and they're, they're hamming it up. They're really like doing it. We the, see the, uh, the nurse and yes, the black couple, the nurse and doctor the character yep. who as yep. soon as they come into frame, their first line is, hey, we're here to die later, you know? <laughs> <laughs> but this is the thing though, is that you have all that happen. And then we obviously see the fire department like going toward like Lori's house. And like we have the great like it's they they I think in every trailer they had this where she's like screaming in the back of the pickup truck and she's oh, like yeah. it burn, I'm like uh I'm like it's so like ham fisted dialogue and it's clunky, but I love it. Like it's the definition of the square wheels car that Rob coined, like when it came to the rise of Skywalker. <laughs> and I'm just like, ah. Uh. And then like we see obviously that like, they go into the house and they're like, I think like one of them what falls through a floorboard and yeah. like Michael just appears out of like a trap door because of course there's a trap door and like he kills him and then like oh we have we have a fireman down. It's like give me like and we have like, another one like try to like save who they think is like still alive. Give me your hand. And then, like, you have him, then, like, ne and, like, he picks up some tool. And I want to ask Rob, again, neither one of us are first responders, so we probably yeah. <laughs> don't know. What is the tool that he picks up? Like, it has, like, a pickaxe combined with, like, it looks like a tuning fork on the other end of it. Yes. What, I, what is I've, that supposed to be? I've, I know I've seen something like that before. I don't know what it's called, though. It's it's probably got some official name, but you're absolutely right. It's, like, that got this, like, multiple-prong kind of, like... Like, you know, if you had, a like, a, a mace, like, a, or maybe, like, a, you know, 
Well, yeah, maybe a mace is a good example. Like, imagine if you had, like, the ball with a bunch of spikes on it. This is, like, a stick with just a few spikes on it, you know? <laughs> yes. And that's – and so, like – and this is the shot they showed in, like, every single trailer. Okay. Is that it's him walking out of the house. You have the fire just, like, en- engulfing the, the house. And you see him, like, obviously they're trying to, like, put the fire out with the water. And you see that, like, coming off of him where, like, part of the mask is singed now. Pretty much, like, the – like, part of the – oh, God – the left part of the collarbone of the coverall of the over well, coveralls is like singed as well. And like you see like the firemen all freeze and like yes. they just sit there, look, and we see Michael and like he picks like and he's like he just I don't want to say he, he doesn't twirl it, but he slightly just adjust his grip of this apparatus, whatever we're going to call it. Uh, apparently, I just looked up fire firefighter tools and it came up. Okay. Apparently, it's called a fire hook. Oh, that's okay. that's just what it's called. That's and it great is, because yeah, last yeah. year I tried making one of my own. I got a prop crowbar and combined it with a prop pickaxe, and I used electrical tape and taped them together to make this. <laughs> nice. It should be said, last year for Halloween, I dressed up as the Halloween Kills Michael Myers and made my own prop. Uh, you could get if you want to improve your costumes, Zach. I'm seeing that from the website allhandsfire.com. You can get them from you can get some cheap ones, just some like a few hundred dollar expensive ones. But I just want to read this little blurb on all all hands fire. <laughs> oh, God. Okay. Oh, God. We provide innovative firefighter hand tools that range from fire hooks, forcible entry kits, axes, fire hooks, and more. <laughs> they list fire hooks twice in their little blurb. <laughs> and more, Rob. There's even more fire hooks. And when you click on more, <laughs> it brings you to fire hooks. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so many fire hooks, so little time. Um, but. As like watching that moment, like even though like the trailers clearly, clearly showed us this in every single instance they could, watching that moment where we see him like readjusting and we see all the firemen like like pick up their own like just regular axes. Mm-hmm. One of them has like I guess like what like uh, God, like a jigsaw almost for like cutting through steel. Yeah, like and an industrial see- cutter type of thing. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> And I'm watching this. I'm like, are they are they really going to go full blown like Jason? Because again, Jason Voorhees is always is the slasher king. Mm-hmm. He is. He's the most brutal. He's the one who's always used the most tools. And I'm like, are they going to? Because again, Michael Myers was always the more reserved Phantom. And like, are we going to have Michael Myers go full Jason Voorhees? And then we see that, and he just goes right through these firemen like. They're paper dolls. Yep. And he just like goes right home like – and like in that sequence does not go on that long. Like it goes on for maybe a minute, minute, like in a half at most and it cuts. And I'm just like in the theater, I was blown away. I'm like they did it. They gave me exactly what I wanted. And I'm just like that's it. Like like we are – like buckle in. That's the first hill on the roller coaster and everything else is just going to be riding off the momentum of this. And I was just – I was enthralled. I, I think it, even if the movie took a sharp, sharp nodes dive, which it doesn't in my opinion, I would have been overjoyed. And I think the film going forward from that moment hits every single beat right. I, I genuinely – as subjectively speaking, this is as perfect of a slasher film as you can make. I think Halloween Kills is the – again – I don't want to say perfect because I always think there's always room for for uh, improvement. <laughs> but in my opinion, as to what I want from these this subgenre, Halloween Kills is a perfect film. 
Okay, I, I, um, I definitely don't. Think and I know it's I'm the minority. Sure, I know sure. I'm very much in the minority in that opinion because, like, I keep seeing all these memes online of people being like, "I guess I misjudged you, Halloween Kills." Like, post like Halloween ends. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, like you people misjudged the perfect slasher film. I'm like, what is wrong with you people? You had perfection. Like, there was really nowhere else to go but down after Halloween Kills. I think the. The Jason Voorhees-esque nature of Michael Myers in Halloween Kills really does throw me for a loop, especially after watching the original and then 2018 that are way more reserved in the, I guess, the full-on, you know, slasher of, like, a Jason Voorhees-esque thing. Way more simplistic, like... The kills are just like like phantasmal, like you said, like Michael Myers pops up and then stabs you and you're dead and you're just stuck to a wall. This this was just so, like I said, threw me for a loop because, I mean, right after the firefighter scene, he's just in a house and there's just blood. When he kills the, t- the elderly couple, the woman has a drone or whatever, there's just so much blood. And I'm like, this is not what I expected. And I think it was just so jarring to me that... It, this wasn't. This was more like a Jason Voorhees or a Friday the Thirteenth with the gore than I, I was really expecting, and I was just kind of like, "Oh, I don't, I don't know if this this clicks with me," and I still don't think it clicks with me until you get to the car scene where Michael Myers just makes everybody kind of accidentally kill themselves. Oh, that's no, no, no. That is the greatest moment in cinematic that, history. That's I when think- I'm. That's when I'm like, okay, this might be like. I'm, I'm, that's why Malignant comes up to me because I'm like, oh, this might be the goofiness that I see in this movie that is, you know, not one-to-one, but, you know, a- analog to what Zack saw in Malignant type of thing. <laughs> but that's – that. I'm glad you brought that up because obviously like after the whole sequence with the, the Lori's house and the firemen, you have the, uh, the, inter- the interracial couple where like she has mm-hmm. the drone and you have all that. And like, and I think that's the thing that made this so refreshing because we haven't had it in a while. You have a sadistic slasher villain again. You, I would say, even like again, not since 2003 with the Texas Chainsaw Massacre remake and Freddy vs. Jason, you have not had a sadistic slasher villain. Okay, like even the 2009 remake of Friday the Thirteenth, that Jason isn't particularly sadistic. He kills people. But he's not being mean while he's killing those people. Mm-hmm. And then at even the uh, – oh god, Jackie Earl Haley, uh, Nightmare on Elm Street. Like he's not being sadistic. Like it, it's very much a – again, I can still remember that – again, again, Jackie Earl Haley did a fine job as Freddy Krueger. He's not the problem with that film. But it, it's the idea like it's a very reserved killer. In a way that J- neither Fre- uh, Freddy nor Jason should ever be that reserved. And so to sit there have that where he walks into this couple's home who's really not doing anything. They're not breaking any of the tenants of, yeah, of yeah. slasherdom. And that's the thing where like he just walks in. He is sadistic in how he kills them. Like there, I don't think he's enjoying it. I think he's just murdering them because you know what? He's walking a line. And they just happen to be there. Yes. And that's the thing I like is like I, I've made this joke numerous, numerous times now. The stupid, the strangers of why are you doing this to us? Because you are home. Mm-hmm. It's like, no, like if you have to punch the audience in the face with that, you're doing it wrong. Sure. You, you are doing it wrong if you have to lay it out. It's just Michael Myers walked out of the Laurie Strode house. And guess what? This was the very next house that he came across. And as we saw from 2018, it's established he he doesn't have a hard on for Laurie Strode. It's just simply 
it's a straight line for him. Yep. Is that he just gets pointed in a direction. He's like a cannonball. He just goes in that direction. He's going to take out anything that gets in his way for better or worse. And I'm just like, this is, again, it's so grisly. It's so, I don't want to say completely over the top because you have the car is your over the top moment. Yes. Oh, but yeah. That's the thing, and, I, and that's all I want from these movies. It's it's all I want, and, and yes, it's a deviation away from what Michael Myers was in Halloween one and two. Again, I'm disregarding four, five, six, H two O, Resurrection, Rob Zombie, but that's that's what I want. It, it, you could make the argument that's never what Michael Myers was about, but after you have looking in this film's continuity series with. 1978, 2018, where he is still very much the Phantom in these two movies. You then go to what's the next step? You have to dial him up. Like it's it's you, you you have to dial him up. There's no other way to go than that, and that's where it makes logical sense to me. Whereas I don't. Again, I, I tried reading some reviews and just consuming reviews for Halloween Kills, and the big thing is like what you were saying, and that like oh, it's gratuitous, it's grisly. And I'm like and, – and it's condemning it, but it's not giving a reason why so that wasn't the correct way to go. It's it's too much of these things. Well, why why shouldn't it be that way? And none of the reviews give that explanation mm -hmm. that you, you can't condemn something without you without explaining as to why it was not the correct path to take. You're just – again, it's the equivalent of, again, going to the steakhouse and getting mad that it doesn't serve a good salad. It's you can't do that. You are objectively wrong in giving your subjective take if you're mad that a steakhouse does not make a good salad. Sure. I see what you're saying about the slasher thing in general for you versus I think I'm coming more at the Michael Myers thing, which I, I think you would agree with that. This is some deviation, but I actually like your point about, you know, where do you go from? How do you escalate it? And this being the natural thing, especially for this genre. I think it, th like I said, it threw me off so quickly that it was not, you know, hashtag my Michael Myers, even though I've only had a my Michael Myers for the last two weeks or something now, um, because I was just previously scared shitless of, of this idea. Um, but I think it would have worked for me better if that narration from Jamie Lee Curtis at the end got put somewhere closer to the beginning, because there is, and even in Halloween Ends, it starts to, it gets at this weird, like, like almost supernatural thing of, like, like at the end of Halloween Kills, Laurie Strode is saying, like, Michael Myers is, is the incarnation of evil, whatever. Every time he kills, he gets stronger. Halloween Ends then seems to imply that he doesn't have to eat food, he just needs to kill for sustenance. And I'm like, if they, if they put that earlier in Halloween Kills, and, you know, there would be a reason that these were more gratuitous other than it's just like, oh, I, I took it as like the shock factor. I would have been a little more on board with it. But it, it does not come up till the end where the movie has gone so far into left field of, oh, we're the monsters now. The people, look what this town is. Michael Myers has done to us. And even one of the old cops says like we've become the monsters and i'm like fuck you movie you know yes if they had it earlier where laurie strode was like in the hospital and saying something like you know and not have her out of commission for so long i know she has to get surgery from getting stabbed and whatever but just have her say something like you know he has to kill like we had to kill him we had to end him because he's just going to keep killing and get stronger and if they added more of that like Supernatural and phantasmal is a great way to say it, like you said. I would have been like, okay, I can see this escalation, where by the time I could finally see the reason for that escalation in Halloween Kills, the movie was over, and there was two minutes left, and I said, I am 
fairly certain Zach told me Lori Greer, the, uh, Judy Greer dies in this movie, and there's two minutes left. <laughs> yeah, she she literally dies at the, like the le- the eleventh hour. Like mm-hmm. she does, it's her death, and then like cut the credits. Like it it the movie doesn't give you time to sit on that. Yeah, not at not at all. But I'm I'm with you. I understand what you're saying now, and I like that. That if you do want to escalate it, you know, how would you do it? And this is right up the alley of I think you know the slasher genre and and gore. People, some people will always be into gore, and if that's going to sell tickets, I I totally get from another storytelling standpoint or visual standpoint that they were just like let's let's go all out, you know, let's have the just Michael Myers. Holding the broken half of a fluorescent light in that old lady's, you know, throat for way too long, or at least, in my opinion, way too long. Because I'm like, I get it. She's gonna die. Oh, it turns out she doesn't die. Actually, yeah, from she the turns out she doesn't die. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but you know, it was just, it was just so, so weird to me. You know, it's, it, it, it just, it just caught me off guard. That's, but again, this is where I, again, I'm, I think I'm seeing what I want to see, so I can't forsake anybody for not liking it. But I think you do get that, again, Halloween 2018 is the Michael Myers is getting back into the swing of things. It's like, it's his first taste of this mm-hmm. for the first time in 40 years, where he only really indulged in it for what, a night? And think about it, it's evil that's been contained for 40 years. So he really is like, that 2018 film is really only what a couple of hours of him being yeah, back into okay, his element. Okay. Where kills is him stretching his legs. I like this that him, take. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And that's where, and I think the whole point of the fireman is that he kills more firemen in that one sequence than he does in the previous two films combined. Yes. Absolutely. And that's the thing where, like, you, and again, it gets into a theme that kills and then ends definitely touch upon is that he fe- he feeds off this energy somehow. Mm-hmm. He's, he's fed by this. And I think that's why the, by the time it gets in, he becomes more grisly and more sadistic. And that's why when he goes into that interracial couple's house and he sits there like just, oh, God, like, again, very sadistically murders them. And and he sits on it. He's really savoring it in a degree. Yeah. And then you sit there, obviously, because, again, the film kind of, go again, pinballs all over the place for a while. Like, obviously, you have the whole Anthony Michael Hall thing with, like, the uh, the fellow uh, insane asylum person who escapes at the town mistakes for Michael Myers. The uh, the little, like, uh, off-brand penguin character who's, like, running <laughs> yeah. throughout the hospital. Evil dies tonight. Evil dies tonight. Um, and like I said, and even in that element where I, I, I don't, like – the idea of equating the mob justice with the malevolence of, of Michael Myers, um, fine. Like if you need to have a social message in your slasher film, like it does a decent enough job. Like again, neither here nor there for me. If you feel that's necessary, you did a decent enough job of just get tacking it on. But like you said, getting back to the whole idea is you have the like to just establish their characters. You have Big John and Little John. Obviously, Little John played by one of our favorite actors of all time, Michael McDonald. Great to see, uh, of course. <laughs> always. I, I remember seeing him like in the uh, credits for Halloween Kills and I'm like, what? Then like he shows up and it's like, no, <laughs> no. And I'm just like, ah. Looks like you got a new speedo on. Yeah, he picked it out himself at this sales spin, but it's an irregular, and I don't like the way it rides him. <laughs> Stuart, just let me fix it. <laughs> well, Stuart, I don't want your goo goo flopping out. 
So so glad to see Michael McDonald on the big screen. Um, and you have the whole dynamic between like even that, for example, like it's weird to point to a gay couple and be like that has done. I would imagine those those two characters have done more for having just like normalizing uh, homosexual couples in major cinema than Billy Eichner did in Bros. Oh, like yes. the idea is oh, yes. like it's like they're just a couple. Like that's it. Like there's nothing flamboyantly gay about them. They're just a couple on Halloween night. Like that's it. There's like that's it. And then you're mm-hmm. like you have Billy Eichner like in the last month being like, "You're a homophobe if you don't pay to see my movie." And it's like, do you not realize that you're only get people on board with th- this sort of thing on a mass like entertainment level is if you make it is just like, eh. Like, like it's like it's commonplace. It's second nature. Yeah, that's how you get people to appreciate it is that you don't highlight it. And so, like I said, like, no, Big John, Little John are great. Like for what they do, even with uh, Big John, like after the kids steal the Halloween candy, they're like, do you know whose house this is? Like, it's great. It's like, like are they are they both hammy characters? Yes, because of course they are. It's a slasher <laughs> film. And they're going to be murdered by Michael Myers. But no, like even their brief moments and obviously what they've done to uh, – I don't even – what would you call it? Like it's not gentrification, but like it's also not just simply remodeling like what they did to the Myers house. Sure. Like no, and, and it's good. Like it's I, – I love those characters. It's, it's just victims waiting to be slaughtered. They're great. Like they're the, probably the most satisfying just like, oh, these are real characters that like you don't want to see killed. It's not the band geeks from Halloween ends like and that's the thing, too, I have to say about how whereas a lot of people, again, the difference between kills and ends and that like every character for the most part that's murdered that is an actual character in in one of these movies kills does a better job of establishing them like in Halloween ends like every character that gets murdered as part of the um, the, spoiler alert, uh, whoever the hell his name is. Uh, goober mcgoober face oh the like, babysitter from the cold I call open him, after i watched that after i walked out halloween ends i referred to him as goober mcgoober face <laughs> okay much like guy mcface we have goober mcgoober face everybody who for the most part is established like even the um oh god the the, the halloween costume oh god doctor and nurse characters mm-hmm, mm-hmm. like are they goobers yes but like they don't deserve to die they don't they don't have that like Oh God, uh, Trent character from Friday the Thirteenth. Where are you, Gun? Yeah, your your tits are stupendous. Like they're not that level of just like disposable. Like they not that they feel real, but they don't feel like they have a little X on their forehead in, in, in a because they're bad people sense. The script obviously yeah, put sure. X on their forehead, but they're not written to have an X on their forehead. Dialogue. Yeah, yeah, I know what you mean. I know what you mean. I I have to agree I, I, with that, and I have to agree. I do like the uh, the 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 gay couple in. Uh, the Myers house, like you said, refurbished or whatever you want to call it. Um, I got one problem with them though. Uh, they're not gay enough. No, uh, that the, <laughs> the other guy whose name I looked up, I didn't write, I write down someone I, I'm not familiar with. Um, so not, not Michael McDonald. Yeah. So big John, 100 million percent should have been Ike Barinholtz. <laughs> I know he looked like off brand Ike Barinholtz, which would have been great considering like Danny McBride and, uh, David Gordon Green's history in comedy. Yeah. Like that would have been so easy to do that considering – but I, I, but again, remember Michael McDonald, I don't want to say he's washed up. I feel like Ike Barinholt is still a name. Like it's the equivalent of getting like Bill Hader I'd feel like where it would be like – it would be almost too jarring. OK, OK. Like, in my – I guess I wouldn't sure, be against sure. it. But I do think you like again, like if you watch Halloween Kills without knowing Michael McDonald's like career, you wouldn't think he's a comedy actor. 
Definitely not. Yeah, yeah. Everything, like, like I mentioned earlier, the way that they talk to each other, because it's not like we just get one scene with them. You know, we get the scene where the um, they're introduced, and then the kids prank them and steal their candy. And then, you know, you have the scene, I think, where, what, then, then maybe there's, like, it, it intercuts between them hearing that someone's in the house, thinking it's the kids again, with, like, stuff going on at the hospital or whatever, talking about how Michael wants to go home and things like that. But just in these scenes with them, you know, the way they talk to each other, like, Lil John. Big John, Lil John, <laughs> Big John, like as they're just walking around the house, and I'm like, I'm like, okay. Lil John, Big John, Lil John, and then, of course, Big John is, is smoking a joint for most of the scenes we see him in. Mm-hmm. And then when they, like, right before Michael gets into the house, they're both, like, sitting on the couch. They're, this will come up again in snacks. They're eating what seems to be, like, a flight of honey. So it's like yes. you get, like, a yep, flight yep. of whiskey where it's like, oh, here's four different tasters or something like that. They have that, but for honey? And, and what, like, Big John has a shower thought and then, like, gets sad about his mother dying or something like that because honey reminds him of his mother. While he's smoking a joint, and Little John goes, "What's in that honey?" And I'm like, "It ain't the honey, Little John." Like, <laughs> just so strange to me overall. That's... But I look, but I I did thoroughly enjoy it. <laughs> there, there's something again. Like Halloween Kills is such a weird movie in that regard because, like, I think it's. It's the perfect slasher film. It has all those weird little kind of just like idiosyncratic moments. Like Rob's not going to remember this. And I don't even know what what Friday the 13th is. I think it's part six. I could be wrong. Okay. Or like you have one character who's dressed up to look just like um, Rick James. And like he's, try- <laughs> like he's trying to get like, – it was the 80s, man. Sure. <laughs> um, and so like he's trying to get laid. But like there's this reoccurring joke with him because like again, he's trying to like, – he looks like Rick James. He's like very suave. And like there's this reoccurring gag throughout it that like he has like the like the runs diarrhea. And he's like, it was those damn enchiladas. And I'm like – like there's these weird little moments where like did you need that? No. But it's a nice little flourish, sure. an unnecessary flourish. And I think it makes the character stand out more. And I think that's what makes the character more pronounced versus the band geeks from Halloween Ends who are just your, oh, God, just token, just bad teenager-like oh, yeah. characters. Yeah. And and that's the thing where I'm just like – like I just – I can't – like it's, whereas I, I, I get frustrated with people who to this day still can't figure out why The Last Jedi is brilliant. I'm willing to forgive Halloween Kills because it's, it's pretty much going through the motions of what, what it should be doing. But like it, it's that thing is like do, there's so much good in this movie relative to what how bad it could be. Like it goes down most does does it go down the the best path? No, but it goes down the better path. Okay, okay. I I think that that brings me to something that you know this I kind of knew maybe the one thing I did know about Halloween Kills before going into it from seeing trailers, you know. Not too long ago, like you said, you know, early or whenever it came out in 2021, the evil dies tonight thing, the mob mentality. Evil the, dies um, tonight. The, uh, the, I did not know how many times they said that in the movie, you know. Um, my, Anthony Michael Hall running out of the hospital screaming, <laughs> evil dies tonight to like nobody in particular. Um, that's some goofy fun shit. Watch the doorway! Don't let him leave! He's getting away! Tommy, get him! Evil dies tonight! 
this is the thing where this felt like very this maybe not the idea of evil as tonight but the townspeople like the whole all of Haddonfield getting in on this and the inclusion and the introduction like at the talent show at the bar of you know the the whole town being brought together by this this tragedy this the the you know the murders from the um the original movie and i i don't know it just felt like so like shoehorned in for me because once again isn't well maybe not Imp- explicitly, but implicitly from the original movie and from the 2018 movie, I kind of just always got the sense that everybody in the town sees, like, Michael Myers as, like, just the boogeyman legend, Laurie Strode's a, nut, uh, Strode's a nut job, and any scientist that wants to, like, espouse how bad Michael Myers is, they also get written off as a nut job. And it was just strange to me that, like, like Lonnie and Tommy Doyle wouldn't also just get lumped into that be like oh you know what are you like what are you crazy like this isn't pure evil like this is just like murders happen that type of thing I get it's a small town but I don't know the whole the whole thing of the eventually the entire town being like we have to just fucking ignore the police and get together like Anthony Michael Hall driving around a gas station going I need people we're gonna kill and they're like well it's Halloween we clearly know what we're gonna kill about you know and Anthony Michael Hall's like he is an apex predator there is no hesitation. He will murder you as soon as he sees you. So you need to murder him first. And I'm just like, I it didn't I didn't buy it that the entire town is just like, yeah, fuck the cops, fuck everybody. We're just gonna kill Michael Myers. The only person in the town who who believes in the cops is fucking Judy Greer. When she's like, we need to call the authorities because there's a system in place for this. There are trained professionals. Yep, yep. And I'm like, Judy Greer, do you remember that your husband died in the first movie because he went outside of Laurie Strode's house and mistakenly trusted a cop car? The system has <laughs> distinctively failed your family. Why would you be saying this? But that's, like I said, and this the thing, but again, it reminds me of our, one of our, oh God, favorite lines of dialogue of all time. Where do you want to sleep, Doctor Chavez? <laughs> like it's just hammy. Like it, like the dial. No, I don't want to say the dialogue doesn't matter. I, I don't want to say that. But it's like, what would the character who is who has proclaimed himself the oh god anti force to the malevolent force? Sure. Like, what else would he say? Like, like how else do you give the like? Again, he, again, Haddonfield, I don't want to say it's a yokel town, but, like, it's clearly a town that's past its prime. Yeah. Or it's a suburb where it's just like, like, this person wronged us. Get in. We're going to wrong them back. Like, yes, could you keep it as concise as that? Absolutely. But I think that just, again, you have to fill screen time. And that's where you get these really, like, poor, like, oh, God, just, like, backwoods versions of Shakespeare. Like, he is an apex predator. We must strike him first. <laughs> That that's where like again, it's so clunky. Like it's it that's where I don't mind it because at the end of the day, a slasher film is not meant to be high art. Mm-hmm. It's that argument once again of Silence of the Lambs. Silence of the Lambs is the the greatest horror movie ever made, and it's a thriller because we horror cannot be objectively good. It's it's in its nature. It can never be good. So to ever try to unnecessarily push it in that direction is just wasted energy. Okay. I see what you're saying. I see what you're saying. And that's where, no, I agree with you. It's clunky as hell, yes. but it's also the nature of the beast. And I'm willing to be like, okay, like it's it's the dialogue equivalent of shoving a, bro- a broken light into somebody's neck. It's the, it's so <laughs> crass and just, just unnecessary, like so just unnecessary as a thing into the culture. So it's like, okay, like what is the opposite side of that? It's, it's that level of dialogue. 
No, that, I see what you're saying, and and you know, I, I I like that point that you make just made now. In essence, to some of my other notes, like you know, one one issue I had is like. Okay, clearly, you know, Michael Myers, even from the first movie, the original, like, one of the defining characteristics of Michael Myers is that, you know, he's just unstoppable. Like, you can, you can stab him, you can shoot him, and he's just going to keep getting up and keep going. And then it's like, okay, in this movie, so is Laurie Strode. She is six minutes out of surgery, shoots up morphine. Yeah, she's good to go for a little bit. Oh, nope, she busted her stitches open. Yeah, you just need a little, you just need six more minutes. And I'm just like, okay, I know she needs to be in the movie, and that's fine and whatever. But, you know, clunky is, like you said, is the way we're both saying, talking about it. I think that the point where the movie just really loses me for a good chunk of it is them chasing after the other mental, escaped mental patient. I, since I, wa- I watched them in order, of course, I did not go back and check. Do they mention that two patients escaped from they, the bus in the first movie? I know they I, mentioned I at the start they, of the I second. They, I okay. think okay. they do. I, I, I don't know where, but I'm pretty certain it does because I know at one point um, – I think I think not Dr. Loomis makes a mention or, or there's some TV report that, ma- that mentions it because, oh, yeah, it's in the beginning of Halloween Kills. And yeah, it's coming yeah. back to me now. Yeah. It shows the TV and it's like two mental patients escaped and like obviously Michael is like blurred and out of focus. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then we show the other kind of uh, the penguin and we see him and he's in focus. So, yeah, they, they do. I don't know in 2018 if they highlight it. Okay. It might be. Because I know we see him in the um, – the reason why I also call him the Penguin because at the beginning of Halloween 2018, we see him in the courtyard. And he has an umbrella. Oh, so, that's like, right. Yeah, he has, or the, or the, par- <laughs> the parasol and he's twirling it. So, no, like I said, like it, it, again, nice little bridge there in, in, in just following yeah, – like I, I don't know. 2018 maybe definitely Halloween kills. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I, that, that was one of the things I picked up. I, I think that's why it didn't work for me so well. One – the the mob mentality thing of them being like you know is it Michael is it Michael when the patient mental patient just stumbles into the hospital that's just packed with people and you know they're all like we got to get him and you have everybody you got the townspeople you got nurses you got doctors they're all fucking tumbling over each other and you know eventually what Laurie and, and Judy Greer are like it's not him it's not him that type of thing of course nobody's gonna hear them or anything like no. that and um, that's like that that's the the there, there's a whole other layer to this when you have the idea of the the mob mentality killing the wrong character. Well, I think I, I think the uh, the one thing that I, I wanted to mention about the the mob mentality with the other mental patient, uh, asylum patient, is that th- this is where I'm just like so uninterested because I'm like, okay, it's the mob mentality thing. I get it. Like I've already said, that didn't really fit with me well when it's been established in the movie they're going so over the top like i said every single person in that hospital is just totally out for vigilante justice and then you get judy greer going like i'm not gonna let them hurt you i'm gonna save you and she locks him in a hallway and i'm like what the hell is that gonna do everything slows down we get slow-mo like you know, of course, the mental patient, you know, gets on the – he busts open a window and he's, like, about to jump. And it's all slow motion and Ave Maria might as well be playing. <laughs> and I'm just like, this is so – this seems so out of place and unearned. And then, of course, the, the patient actually jumps. And all of that seriousness, all of that, you know, the the seemingly just bleeding about the idea that – I even think Laurie Strode at some point in this this weird section says something like, this is Michael's masterpiece. He's turned us all into monsters, you know? And it all just gets to reduce to a giant bloody gore shot. And then yes. everybody's like, oh, man, we kind of fucked up, didn't we? Oh, whatever. Let's go find Michael Myers. <laughs> he will die tonight. He will die tonight. And I'm just like, what was this, you know? I'm like, I got the mob mentality thing before they killed – 
this, I, I mean, innocent, like mentally disturbed man. We really don't know what he did ever. You know, he, he might be eating. Chi- he might be eating children for all we know. Yeah, he might. He might have been just as evil as Michael Myers, and just you know, just trying to get help so he could go back out and, you know, like you said, eat children or something like that. But like, like I said, all that slow motion to cut to just like a, a big gore shot. I was like, what is going on? <laughs> yeah, that's. That's that's a thing too. That I, again, I've only watched Halloween Kills twice. That part of the movie doesn't bother me because it's. I, I will agree with you. It's peculiar. It is very odd. I don't want to say out of place. I'm choosing not to say out of place. Mm-hmm. But I think it's like every single one of these movies has like a slasher film has its moment where there's a moment of empathy. Okay. And the problem is that you can't have Laurie Strode be empathetic. Otherwise, you take away her resolve. So you can't yeah. empathize her. Judy Greer is Judy Greer. Yeah, and basically. So you need, you, need a, you need a character to be pathetic. And if you remember from the Texas Chainsaw Massacre remake, like you, you, you have those moments where like you see one of your characters like really be kind of just like – um. Oh God! It's the the scene member with the uh, Arlie Ermy, and he's in the car with the guy with the curly hair, and he's like, "So how'd the girl like do it? Like, like how'd she shoot herself?" Mm-hmm. And you have that moment where you have a character like be really demoralized, really just like beaten down, but not in the like having a chainsaw impaled. Would not that? And then like you have the moment too where like uh, Arlie Ermy arre- quote unquote arrest him and brings him back and like smashes a beer bottle across <laughs> his face. He, every slasher film has that moment where you're supposed to empathize with the character. Something happens where it's not just simply somebody being impaled with a sharp object. It's a psychological dismembering so to speak gotcha and and so that's the 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 uh, checkpoint they're hitting in the film Mm -hmm. not saying that it's done right or if it's even done well um i think it's a decent enough like b plot away from the just michael's making a a a beeline pardon the pun to his home yes I, i i think it's decent enough it makes you i don't know if it makes you it doesn't make you think but I think it's a way of introducing a rather grisly image in a somewhat organic way to the plot. Because think about it. If you do have – like if you were to watch Halloween 2 and considering Halloween 2 was made with a much smaller budget than this, you, you, you need something for everybody to be reacting to. And it's weird to think about the first Halloween and because it's so isolated – and, and removed from it feels like the town at large because they didn't have the money to have extras. The joke was on the first Halloween movie, uh, 1978, that they had to take the brown leaves they painted and collect them after every shot because they couldn't afford that many just, oh God, props, so to speak. So it makes sense in this that you, your B plot would be the town reacting to this um, and, and the town showing its own form of evil. I, I, I know a lot of people much like you've said, like, Oh, the mob mentality is just as bad as the supernatural phantasm energy. I, I don't view it that way. I, if, if I, I don't want to, again, I do think that clearly David Gordon Green and Danny McBride, who else was, whoever else was involved in the writer suite for these three films with the inclusion of Halloween ends, clearly they have an agenda, I don't mean that like in a bad way. 
Halloween Ends, in my opinion, unfortunately taints these three movies as a film series of individuals dealing with grief. Mm-hmm. That's that's never, ever how I viewed a slasher film. I've never sure. walked out of a slasher film and been like, huh, I wonder how we process grief as individuals. <laughs> like, I, yeah. I don't know about you, but when you watch Jason Goes to Hell and you watch – Oh God! The lady stabbed him in the chest with the uh, the the dagger and a bunch of light like like light beams out of him. I'm not thinking about how individuals deal with grief. That that's not what these movies are about. Sure. Um. Again, they are obviously the filmmakers. They get to do whatever they want. Not saying that it's wrong. It's just I think as a theme, that's that's not what any of this is about okay ultimately a slasher film is the oh god the passive catharsisism of watching violence reaped on people without actually hurting individuals in real life that that it's a oh god it's releasing steam as a culture is that okay as much as we get mad at work at home wherever you you can't impale somebody with a sharp object so what do you do you watch one of these movies and and you release tension it's the equivalent of punching a, a punching bag, but f- for a visual consumption method. And so to make this about a film series about grief, I, I I don't think that's what any of this is about. But clearly Halloween Ends has told us that's what it's all been about since the yeah, get-go. Yeah, Okay, let me just write this down real quick. Uh, cannot impale. Okay, <laughs> gotcha. Um, no, but I mean I, – and I'm, I'm, I'm glad you put it that way because definitely – and I, I want to get into Halloween Ends – I just want to mention at the end of Halloween Kills, of course, we get this, like, the town comes together. They basically surround Michael Myers. Judy Greer somehow gets another gotcha moment from in both movies, and I'm just like, okay. Like, when Halloween 2018 uh, does the echo of, like, Michael Myers looking over the balcony and Laurie Strode's not on the ground, like, that I'm okay with. I'm like, this isn't even an echo. This is just a copy. Like, Judy Greer just got to say gotcha to Michael Myers twice in one evening, you know? But I, I do want to mention that, you know, kind of, not kind of, very jokingly, knowing nothing about Halloween Ends, at the end of Halloween Kills, my note is, like, well, is is the third movie going to start with the population of Haddonfield at like 100 and it's just all kids? Because Michael Myers has just murdered every adult. Like we see him going on the killing spree and like all these adults are gone. And then it kind of turns out that at the start of Halloween th- ends, they like basically everyone is a child. <laughs> Like, they at least have the mentality of a child. Yeah, but I mean, you got the band nerds, you got like, you know, all the, there's, the, uh, there was more children, but of course that's not what it's like. There's still a bajillion people and um, Michael Myers is living in the sewers. But uh, anything else about Halloween Kills that you wanted to mention before we get into Halloween Ends, I guess? Uh, well, yeah, the thing, the thing is, again, going back to the initial inaugural viewing of Halloween Kills. Oh, sure. And that like, as I'm, because again, like I didn't, again, I didn't know any spoilers about that film. So like I'm watching it and like we haven't even really touched upon the whole Allison character considering that she's a major part of the third film. I do not think I wrote her name down once in my notes. She is Laurie's granddaughter in every single pr- pr- note. Pretty much. Pretty much. But the thing is that for the first – I remember when the first film, 2018, came out, a lot of people were annoyed with it being like, I want to see a horror Halloween movie. I don't want to see a high school drama. And I'm like all those moments with her and the boyfriend – I think his name is Cameron. I'm like – 
it's 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 a pretty decent balance. Like at no point during those whole Allison Cameron Oscar moments and even like the best friend that's like oh god, like the babysitter of the little like little like uh, black kid who like who's like oh god comedian at like 8 years old. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> um like at no point was I ever perturbed by that. Like we we've, we've all watched those horror movies where you have your, your teenage characters and it's just eye rolling just how just hollow and basic it is. Mm-hmm. And at no point did I ever watch that. Even the whole like stupid subplot of like Cameron kissing a girl at the school dance and Allison gets mad and it causes like her to like walk off with Oscar and then like Oscar me tos her. Yep. Um like I'm like, I don't mind this. Like I usually not that it turns me off from a movie, but like it's usually like an eye rolling moment and it takes you out. Like, no, it's a perfect moment to get your characters isolated. And I'm like, okay, like it, it does what it has to do to service the plot. It's kind of like it's I don't care what it takes, I guess, the from A to B to C, as long as you do it and it's not jarring, by all means go for it. I'm I'm with you. I I'm with you, and I also think that I, I'm interested to hear that some people like, people were, you know, annoyed, like you said, with this high school aspect of it. Did they see the 1978 movie? Those are all high schoolers trying to fuck, you know? <laughs> but, I think, but I think, but this is the thing that's different, though. So, like, anybody who truly loves, think about it, unless you are, oh, God, almost, well, at least 60, you did not grow up in the moment with the Halloween franchise. Sure, sure. <laughs> everybody who now, like, and I'm part of this as well, I'm speaking about myself right now, anybody who possesses these movies, is doing so after they were released. Oh, sure. And, okay. And, yeah. and I think the idea is that, like, when you're, well, I saw the initial Halloween 1978. It was probably in 2002. So I'm what, 10 years old? Mm-hmm. Like, watching high school drama when you're 10 is, oh, like, I, it's kind of like doe eyed. When you're in your mid to late 20s and you're watching this, it's, oh, sure. Like, I don't sure. want to deal with like, It's like, this is, a, teenagers are annoying. It's it's a it's a perversion of the John Connor from Terminator Two thing. It's like I, I, I oh God, kid actors, ugh. Like it, it, <laughs> yeah. it, it's it's derivative of that, and so a lot of people were turned off by that. And I'm like, it it does what it has to do. Like again, you got to get some new generation hooked on this. Yes, it just can't simply be eighty uh, five year old Harrison Ford riding in the Money and Falcon or with a fedora. Like you got to do something to hook a new generation. And I'm like, okay, it serves its plot. And so you sit there, get the Halloween kills. And then we find out that Cameron is the son of Lonnie. Um, Lonnie always being one of my favorite Halloween characters from the first <laughs> film because yep. I like every year I go to Spirit Halloween and they have like a stupid, stupid goddamn like doormat with like Michael Myers and it has some like stupid pun like knife to meet you. And I'm like. No, it should have a picture of Donald Pleasant oh, and it yeah. says, hey, Lonnie, watch your ass. <laughs> Whispering from behind the bush, absolutely. Exactly. Hey. Hey, Lonnie, get your ass away from there. Ever since then, that's what I want. I want a goddamn Donald Pleasant's doormat that says, hey, Lonnie, watch your ass. If that's <laughs> the – like I've been saying this for years now. That is free money. Somebody wants to make that, go ahead. I won't ask for royalties. So the idea that like, oh, like Lonnie's there. We even get to see like flashback Lonnie. Like we see him getting like bullied by other kids. And like I said, it's a nice little, like it's a very superficial layer of character development, but it's character development nonetheless. And then like the thing that really, like I said, as I was watching Halloween Kills the second time, and like I completely forgot that like Allison and Cameron like go to the Myers house to like confront Michael. Okay. For whatever reason. Yeah. 
then like we see like oh god like Allison like what falls off like falls like over the railing and like breaks her leg and then like and like Michael's just smashing Cameron's head like in between like the uh, the banisters of the of the railing yep. and I'm like this is like oh my god like there's something so just gratuitously grisly about this that's so refreshing for a slasher film to a point where like I would like we're not going to do it anytime soon but I would love to sit there do a compare and contrast on like the cartoonish cartoonish grisliness of Freddy versus Jason compared to the more steeped in reality grisliness of Halloween kills okay there as a slasher film I genuinely as a slasher film fan I kind of like smush those words together (laughs) film and fan there is something truly unparalleled about Halloween Kills as a slasher film. It, it's genuinely – I say that. Like I will sit there, argue – I will go to the mat for that. I will die on that hill. Halloween Kills is, un, in an, is an unparalleled slasher film in the subgenre. There is nothing else quite like it at its level. And so like you watch the whole moment with Cameron where like Allison is like clearly out of commission. She's broken her leg. She's immobile. And she's like, leave him alone. Come for me. And then, like, he lets Cameron go, and as Michael, like, makes his way very just characteristically, iconically down the stairs, and we see, like, Cameron just, like, he's he's going to die, Mm -hmm. and he just, like, gurgles, and Michael just, like, does that, like, like, turn of his neck and looks at him, and then, and she's like, leave him alone, and he just snaps his neck because it's, no, yeah, like, this is, like, and that's a thing that, like, Michael Myers never did in any of his movies, that, and, and it's so reserved, like, it is, like, because Jason did, did that a lot, where, like, someone's about to die, and Jason just finishes them off, okay, but it's done in such a dramatic fashion, in this, it's Michael Myers basically saying, like very, very the cats agreeing with me. The very, very subtly, fuck you. It's sure. like, like, like I am a monster. Like this is what I do. I do not let it go. I just keep going. Again, it's the cannonball. It's just you fire me off, and I just keep going until I run out of energy. And, and I'm just like, this is great. I'm like, this is what I want from a slasher film. Like, I don't know how you can buy a ticket to a movie called Halloween Kills featuring Michael Myers sure, and not yeah. sit there, say, and then be like, ugh, ugh. Like, I don't know. Like, I can see being turned off by the clunkiness of Anthony Michael Hall. Um, Like, I, I get being turned off by that character and just the repetitiveness of evil dies tonight. Like, even walking out of that movie a year ago, like, I was just screaming that in the parking lot. <laughs> <line. laughs> like, it's great. Um, like, I, I, okay, I think it's great. To, to the disengaged, I can see where it could be a turnoff. But that's where I really can't figure out why you would be, be so removed from, not you, Rob, but just audiences at large. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then just not to go back a little bit, but even to the car scene where you sit there, like, like we said earlier, you have a uh, big John, little John, they get their candy stolen from them by a bunch of just like what tweens. They're not mm. teenagers. They're like tweens. Yeah. They're like, they, like really young. <laughs> they're like, they're like 11, 12. Like they're, they're right at the precipice of being a teenager. And so like, we see like, like obviously we're driving around. It's the nurse from the original Halloween. It's, uh, Oh God. Um, uh, Lindsay Wallace, mm-hmm. uh, Kyle Richards, like you sit there, you had in like the uh, the hus- the I guess their husband and wife couple, the husband, the doctor and nurse, yeah. and then like they see that, and, and Lindsay Wallace is like, "Don't you know who's out? Like, go run away, run away!" And then like we see like one of the kids has been killed, and we get the entire SUV sequence, mm-hmm. and that's just 
oh god like as much as you and i laugh about where are you gun and like all of that that entire car sequence like if you and i were in a theater watching that in real time together we would have lost our minds oh we literally have (laughs) sexy nurse ladies trying to shoot michael he (laughs) kicks the door open she like it breaks her wrist to the point where the gun snaps back to her head as it fires and like blows her head off and I, I, like, I completely forgot about that moment rewatching this, and I audibly went, "Fuck!" Yeah. Like I was so, like I was in the moment, and I just seen this a year ago, and I'm like, "This is what I." And I get it; you can't do this every single time, or else you lower its impactfulness. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I'm like, "This is what you want, people." Like when people say, "Oh, why hasn't there been a Friday the Thirteenth movie in 13 years?" For every time somebody criticizes that moment. That's the reason why you don't get a Friday the 13th movie is because of that. You can't if you're not going to appreciate what the essence of that franchise is, you're not going to get any more of it. If you keep complaining about, you know what, why do we keep having a, I don't know, hamburgers for dinner and pizza? Guess what? You're going to stop. You're not going to get that anymore if you keep complaining about it. It's so weird that people can't somehow figure out how relativity works. That like if you complain (laughs) about X, X will cease to continue. Sure, sure. I'm with you. But but just getting back to that ending, and I definitely want to sit there and give like a shout out to the like it's really hard to discern who is the actual actor nowadays in the Michael Myers like when he's wearing the mask. Okay. Because when he's not wearing the mask, he's actor James Courtney. And they've deliberately, deliberately like blurred the lines as to who is behind, like who is Michael Myers when he's wearing the mask. It's either James Courtney or it's um oh my god what's his name I can like uh, Nick Castle yeah, the, the original yeah. the shape and they've done that on purpose. It's kind of like a Kenny Baker thing with R two D two and that like by the time Revenge of the Sith came around like there was no physical R two D two but they still credited him <laughs> yeah. as R two D two because it's like okay like. He's like, let him get a residual check, like whatever. But for all intents and purposes, whether it be Nick Castle or James Courtney, like throughout all three of these movies, he is like the the physical acting of just body posture and language is perfection. Oh, sure. I like, love that. Yeah, yeah. Like I would like I it's a shame that like not a shame, but like we think of Jason and now Jason is clearly Kane Hodder. Like you can tell Kane Hodder Jason, <laughs> yeah. whether it be from the movies, the video game, just Kane Hodder at like a convention, you can tell his body language. His body body language is almost like silhouette level. And yet I would say that the combination just because we don't know is viewers of James Courtney and Nick Castle is that same level of that it's pitch perfect, especially when you compare Michael Myers to like any of the other original continuity sequels where it's just so like, it's clearly, clearly a guy just in a mask. Mm -hmm. It's a stuntman. And I'm just like, man, like, like there's that level of just like, you're, you're not consciously aware of it, but your brain is. And it's consistent across three different movies. Never mind, It mirrors a movie from 40 years ago seamlessly. Yeah. Yeah. I hear you. I'm with you. I'm with you. Um, and I think, you know, that that you, the way that, you know, Michael Myers is is used in these and portrayed in these, when I eventually did, when I finally did, I should get to Halloween Ends, I had this, I, I had this interesting thought. It's not one-to-one, but I want to lay it out for you, Zach, and, and let me know what you think about it. This is going to, I think this is going to sound really weird, but, you know, just, just, just hear me out. 
I started to find similarities between this trilogy, so the David Gordon Green Halloween trilogy, and the Back to the Future trilogy. <laughs> so, so here we go. I think I'm of, intrigued. Okay, yeah. I, I think of Michael Myers in in a weird way has been framed in these three Halloween movies as the DeLorean. Of course, they serve different purposes. You know, DeLorean isn't killing anybody, but but you know, like in the first movie, so Halloween 2018. Thinking of like the, you know, the original Back to the Future, they introduce time travel, a la the DeLorean, you know, a la Michael Myers, and there's just this kind of adventure to go on. You know, there's this, of course, you know, Back to the Future didn't have this 40 years after the fact thing, so there's a lot of baggage that Halloween has, but you have this thing, you have this concept, the DeLorean or Michael Myers, and they just kind of go around and you have this, like we said, very simplistic very, you know, pretty much straightforward. You can latch onto it. There's a lot of good things you can get behind and you just go through it and it's just like that's it. It's a it's a solid flick, you know. The second one, so Halloween Kills, I definitely with what I was saying about the the over the top gratuitous nature of the gore in this movie, the extent that Michael Myers has like you were saying escalated and now become this massive killing machine, that's Kind of like what Back to the Future 2 does. They say, well, now we have the DeLorean. We can go anywhere. And, of course, you know, by them going anywhere, they fuck shit up, and you have this other kind of adventure that we have to take care of. And you have to get, you know, all these people to come together to, to fix the original movie type of thing. And, you know, or, you know, fix Michael Myers as they do in Halloween Kills. And then, it, this is where it really clicked for me, in Halloween Ends and also Back to the Future Part 3... They completely sideline the DeLorean and make it a romance story. Yeah, you're not wrong. Like, (laughs) there's a spooky parallel there now that, like, you highlight it in that sort of way. But, yeah, like, that's that's – you're not wrong. And I just just wanted to throw that out there because I had that thought and I was like, that is very interesting. And while I definitely enjoy Back to the Future, just I think genre-based than, you know, these movies, uh, slasher movies in general, I was so shocked – to see so much romance and, like, after-school special teenage angst in Halloween Ends. And I think that's what you were getting at with the grief stuff that, that goes on in that movie as well. But I, I was like, this isn't even, like, a horror movie at all. Like, sure, there's some kills, and there's some interesting horror ideas that I don't think get executed well at all in Halloween Ends, but there was so much more of just, like... Like I said, like it came across to me as like after school special stuff, you know, the the dialogue between the granddaughter and the ba- the the you know new babysitter Corey Goober McGoober faces as as we know him. Damn straight. I was just like, th- this dialogue is just so on the nose. Where he's like, you know, you think you can fix me, but you cannot fix me. I am a monster, and I don't even care if you want to fix me. And it it was just so like stunted. So mm-hmm. I I have to say with as. The 2018 is my favorite out of the three. I think you'd be hard-pressed to find anybody that, you know, you know, anybody in the masses. I'm not talking about you, Zach, with a conversation we just had about Halloween Kills. These other two are just so different from what I think, you know, the Halloween franchise is. And maybe that's the point, that this is the, what, eighth, 18th reboot of it or something like that. So they have to try something different. But I was just so taken aback by this last one being so heavily, like... The granddaughter just wants to have a good life, and this kid got a bad shake because he, you know, punted a kid off of a, off of a building type of thing. Um, <laughs> and, and now he's getting bullied by the marching band kids. Like, what a subversion. Even though the marching band kids are, like, the fucking douchiest, you know, jocks that ever existed. But I was just baffled. It was sincerely 
nowhere where I expected this to go. <laughs> that's that's the thing is that I, okay because and this is where you'd love to like I would love to talk to David Gordon Green sure and, and or the writers room Danny Bryan whoever got to really sit there like get their creative hands into this and just be like. What like you make 2018 and 2018 is a thing now that the kids call a requel. It's a remake and a prequel. Yeah, yeah. And uh, or see, I'm sorry, sequel. And it's like okay, you knocked like 2018 makes it more money than they ever expected. They that sat there like opening weekend like shocked everybody. And it was like oh okay. And so obviously with the pandemic, they get to sit on this with a little bit more time than they obviously had prior to when that happened and it's like what what was the thought process because like i like i said we're gonna slowly transition into halloween ends now but like you watch the end like i remember again going back to my story about the theater going experience for halloween kills i remember sitting in the theater in that moment where like we had like judy greer rips his mask off and starts like running through the neighborhood very like gingerly Mm -hmm. and like she leaves it on the ground and like i remember this is the part where like i started gripping rachel's hand and I'm just like, oh my god! Like they actually like after all this, are they gonna like kill Michael Myers? They literally have him surrounded and cornered. Yeah. And like you see all this, I'm like, oh my god! Oh my! Like are they actually good? Because again, like I am a very, as I see it, abused animal when it comes to movies. Like it's like, oh god, are they gonna sit there? Like you're waiting for this. Like especially like after everything we've built up, and even when it comes to cameos, we didn't even mention Sheriff Brackett from the first movie. Oh yeah. Like, like, yeah. It's Halloween after all. I guess everyone's entitled to one good scare. <laughs> And like we have him actually do that, and I'm like, this is so freaking goofy. Yes. It's like, oh my god! And we didn't even mention it. We actually get film footage flashbacks to let us know who these characters were 40 mm-hmm. plus years yep. ago. Yep. It's like the member berries are strong. Like to anybody who hasn't seen this movie, imagine watching like I don't know, um, because we've referenced it. Like imagine watching Star Trek 2009. And you see Leonard Nimoy, and it flashes back to the original series. <laughs> Imagine the moment in The Force Awakens of Chewie, we're home, and it flashes back to like Han Solo, like like in the bar. Yeah, it's like it's that level, of just like oh my god, like like it's bonkers. And so I'm watching that moment where they have him cornered, and they're all like taking shots at him. They're like whacking him across the head, and it's like oh, like I genuinely, in the heat of the moment, was like. Are they, are they going to kill Michael Myers? I'm like, are they actually going to do this? And then like that moment where like he like finds his groove, he catches his footing and he just starts murdering every single one of them. Mm-hmm. Like we see Sheriff Brackett die. And then we have like Anthony Michael Hall and he's like, oh, and like we're murdering everybody. And I'm like, fuck, yeah. Like I was like and this is keeps going and going and then like we have obviously the jamie lee curtis with the sheriff hawkins thing being like he's a monster he just waves through time and i'm like okay shut up jamie lee curtis go back to telling (laughs) kanye west kanye west that he's a bad person and i'm just like and then like for some reason judy greer's in in his in the bedroom of the house and then she dies like smash cut the credits and it's over and like i walked i'm not kidding you when i say this I walked out of that theater and I was pumped. Like I could have jumped through a goddamn brick wall if I had to. I was that just like I was ecstatic. I'm like it. They did it. Like it's one thing walking into Halloween 2018 very very apprehensively, being like, oh god, like how's this going to work? And then I love Halloween 2018. And then it's like, oh god, how do you follow up? Good if not great. Sure. 
you, and I got exactly what I wanted two times in a row. And I'm just like, yes. Like I remember coming home that night, like I bought the poster off eBay for Halloween kills. And I'm just like, yes, yes. And then like about eight months goes by and like there, there's one Twitter account I follow and he seems to be pretty reliable, with, like scoops and spoilers, not just for like, like super obviously because superhero movies is the main game for scoops and spoilers nowadays, but like for other things and like, he's a big horror fan. Like he, he punched the, um, he posted a bunch of stuff for like the latest scream movie okay. and like, and what's happening currently with scream where I guess like Ned Campbell wasn't getting enough money. So she's not in scream six. So like he'll post things like that. He, she, whoever it is. And so he's been posting a lot of stuff about Halloween kills for the last like three months. And, like, all the stuff was, like, he's been posting. And he's a rather objective person. Like, he doesn't seem to be, like, a super, super partisan. And, and and I don't mean that politically. I mean just, like, as in, like, in favor or against. Like, a rather objective take, refreshingly. And it's, like – and, like, he'll post very cryptic things being, like, huh, like, I don't remember Michael Myers having that many fingers uh, at the end of Halloween Kills. <laughs> and I'm just, like, what? I'm, like, like I'm, like, what does that even mean? And so, like, I go back and look at the trailer and I realize, like, oh, yeah, like, he gets his fingers cut off in Halloween 2018. And I'm just like, what does that mean? So, like, more and more stuff started to trickle out about this movie over the course of the summer. And it's like, oh, there's there's this new character that's named pretty much Corey. Corey. And I'm like, I'm like, 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 who is Corey? And I'm like, oh, like, maybe it's just somebody, like, connected to, like, part of, like, the 1978 film. I'm like, no, like I look back to Halloween 2018 kills. I'm like, there isn't a Corey character in any of this. Yeah. And then like, is more and more like, again, as you read this guy's tweets, I'm like, oh, so there's an imposter, Michael Myers. And I'm like, okay, like y- you've done that. Like they haven't done that before with the, the Halloween franchise, but like, that's what Friday the 13th part five, a new beginning is. Sure. It's Roy, the imposter, Jason. And I'm like, that's a really weird way to take this franchise. Like, like, like having an imposter version of the character is is always kind of like the kiss of death. Um, you just turn fans off that way because it's like there's one, especially if these characters can't die, it's kind of like killing off Chewbacca. Yeah, like, there's no reason to kill off a character that is not a real human being because anybody can be in a costume, anybody can be in a suit if you you coach them correctly. And so, like, as time went on, and I remember, like, even seeing stuff from, like, some of the, the, the promotional stills where it's like, oh, like, oh, like, Michael Myers attacks Mrs. Cunningham. And I'm like, what? Like, what? Like, what is this Corey and this Corey Cunningham character? I'm like, what is any of this? Mm-hmm. So, like, it's, like, sep- like late August. And I'm like, more and more stuff I'm reading is, like, yeah, like, Halloween Ends is going to do a lot of stuff that's going to tick people off. And I'm like, okay, but like Halloween ends was kind of rumored to be that way too. But as time got closer, I'm like, okay, like I, I read a lot of spoilers and not spoilers, but just kind of like, I like kind of like synopses, like sure. kind of glorified synopses. And it's like, oh, Corey Cunningham is a character in Haddonfield that also experiences tragedy, but just not the way you would expect from Haddonfield, Illinois. And I'm like, okay, and combining that with what I already kind of know tangentially from there being like an imposter, Michael Myers. So I'm like, okay, so like, I once I know that much, I'm like, okay, I'm not gonna read anymore. Plus, 
the spoilers on this were pretty airtight. Like there was not really any concrete spoilers about this. Like they didn't release the the review embargo until I think the day of like, okay, we're recording this. What on a, on a Wednesday. Mm-hmm. I don't think the review embargo like opened until last Thursday morning. Oh wow. Okay. Um, they really kept it tight. And even there weren't a lot of reviews out of the gate and most of them were very tight lipped. And so I'm like, okay, I'm like, I'm on board. So like go walk into the theater. Like I should say, I did see this in IMAX, a Halloween movie in IMAX. <laughs> what a glorious, glorious time to be alive. God damn it. And so um, we won't get into the theater going experience because something bad happened or not to me, but I witnessed it and it made me very angry, but that's a conversation for another day. Okay. <laughs> and so like I'm watching this and like, okay, like the credits begin, like you have the thing now to become a staple of the franchise, of, like the jack-o'-lantern and you're zooming through all of it. And then subconsciously something happened where I didn't know what was occurring, but my brain did. And we get to the point where we see the title of the film. And the font is blue. Yeah, I noticed that too. And I was like, what? <laughs> and I didn't, my, mentally, I knew something was up, but I, my conscious brain couldn't put a finger on it. And I'm like, there's something wrong here. Yes. <laughs> like, like, there, like, like, my brain did that. My brain's like, this feels wrong. And so, like, I'm watching the film, and it's like, one year after the incidents of 2018. And I'm just like, okay. And as the film unfolds, like, we, like we're introduced to this Corey character. And it's like, oh, like, it's finally nice to see who this character I've been hearing <laughs> about for the last three months is. And it's like, okay, like, you're seeing what's happening. Like, obviously, like, you, you get this, the, the typical horror cliche of like, oh, don't let the, like, like it, Corey walks in. He's a glorified babysitter. I think he's, what, supposed to be, like, 20 years old, give or take. Yeah. Like, yeah. he's thinking about going off to college. And it's like, oh, and the parents with the kid are like, well, like, no candy, like, after 8 o'clock, and especially no horror movies. And then, like, we cut to, and, of course, the kid's eating candy. He's watching John Carpenter's The Thing mm-hmm. on TV, which is meant to mirror the original Halloween where they're watching a thing from another world. And so it's like, okay. And then, like, maybe, Rob, you want to describe what happens next. Oh, God. Um, so, <laughs> so Go ahead, Rob. Describe it only the way that you can. Yeah. So after we see the thing on the, on the TV. We somehow just have a complete massive left turn from this kid because when, when the babysitter, when Corey first shows up, the kid seems to be fine with Corey. Like they know each other. I think there's a line with one of the parents drops. It's like, Oh, Corey helps him out around the house with other stuff like landscaping or whatever. And the kid's like, Oh, we should make paper airplanes. Can you show me to make this paper airplane? I, I, I'm so glad you're here. I want to play with you. That type of thing. Cut to them watching the thing. And Corey's like, is this too scary for you? And the little kid's basically like, I ain't no pussy. I'm nine, you know, or some shit like that. <laughs> He's like, suck my dick, bitch. Yeah, he like, has, one of those. Like, yeah. It, goes, it makes a hard left turn. And Corey's like, you know, and we're, we're seeing the scene with like the, um, the defibrillator scene where like the guy's arms gets cut off by the mouth and the stomach in the thing, which was one of the most, you know, grotesque scenes in the thing, like the head ripping off and crawling away. And Corey's like... Well, yeah, maybe this isn't good to watch for children. And I'm like, Did, has Corey never seen this movie before? Or, or is just realizing now that he's like, oh, yeah, I forgot about a lot of this or whatever. But he's like, okay, we're going to turn it off. Do you want to play hide and seek? And the kid's like, that's gay. I don't play hide and seek, you know, any <laughs> shit like that. And I'm like, I'm like, whoa, what happened? Like, what happened in this evening that you know, the kid just turned on him? I don't know. They, uh, maybe it's a thing that the kid was nice in front of the parents, but why would Corey really like agree to babysit if the kid's an it's asshole? It's very inexplicable. Yeah. It's very out of left field. I'm just like, oh, geez. that what they're trying to get at. Yes. So, so then Corey gets angry, 
And Corey's like, well, we're going to go to bed in five minutes. And the kid goes, you're ugly. (laughs) And so Corey, like, gets up in a huff and he's like, I'm not even a babysitter and I'm not ugly. And, you know, he goes (laughs) and he, like, attempts to drink a beer from the fridge but doesn't. He ends up drinking milk, which becomes, like, his drink of choice throughout the movie. Like, we keep seeing all these, like, knockoff yoo-hoos throughout the entire movie. And it's such a, like, again, like, tip in my hand a little bit, snack time. But, like, it's so, like... Like, like, did, like, did somebody really like chocolate milk making this movie? <laughs> and this one excuse to have it on set at any given time, right? Yeah, exactly. Um, continue. So, so then, of course, there's like the the banana bread is on the table. I guess that's what Corey ate for dinner. Um, you know, when uh, th- there's a knife there to cut it, he hears some noises. Things get knocked over, and he's like, whatever the kid's name is, you know, he's he goes and sees that the lamp's been knocked over. The kid's not there. The front door is open. Corey's, you know, freaking out. He goes outside, goes back inside. Here's some running upstairs. The house is fucking one giant spiral goddamn staircase. Yes. It's the weirdest thing, you know? That that gave me some malignant vibes. That house did not look as big it's, from it's the like outside. It's like a four-story, like, <laughs> staircase, and the house is maybe two stories, if that. Yeah, yeah. And it's just like, okay, and there's just a gothic attic being very malignant-esque as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so then, then the kid starts screaming. He's like, help, help. I think the knife is on the stairs or something like that. So Corey runs upstairs. Or he doesn't really run. He, you know, takes his time because he's afraid. And he gets up there. He goes through some doors. He ends up, eventually gets end up, like, locked in the attic. And... The kid is then clearly revealed to be a prank. Like, this kid is just a, the biggest asshole, and he's, like, mocking Corey and stuff like that. And Corey's like, your parents are going to be home any minute. Cut to, like, the car driving up the driveway, you know, and slowly getting out of the car and getting the keys in the door and stuff like that. Corey starts freaking out, making one of the worst decisions that, I mean, a babysitter should make. You Like, just being another person's house. If you're house-sitting, you're babysitting, whatever. Like, the the decision to kick down the door of their attic like what would be what would be worse if the parents come home and they're like oh our my child you're not in bed where's Corey? and then the kid says makes up some story and it's like Corey locked himself in the attic and he's stupid and he's ugly and gay and shit like that and the parents go we know that's where we're not going to pay him much but then the parents let him out of the attic like this is what i'm thinking could happen let him out of the attic and he's like you know oh man like your kid locked me in here. It, it, we like things got out of control. Like I'm sorry about it. That type of thing. You face some repercussions. Even if what I'm about to explain doesn't happen, if Corey kicks down the fucking door as the parents are getting there, they would be way angry about that. Be like, Corey, why did you break the fucking door in our house? Like you have to pay for this, and you didn't put our kid to bed. That type of thing. <laughs> but like, no, none of none of the the naturalistic things happen. None of the reasonable things happen. Corey is having like a freak out. Not even, it's not established that he's like claustrophobic or anything. The only thing we can gather is that he's like, he's like, let me out of here, kid. We're both going to get in trouble, you know? And so he starts kicking, like, down the door, like, kicking at the lock of the door, you know? And in a, in a wonderful, fantastic, unexpected turn of events <laughs> where, where I thought this movie might, you know, get onto something, is that when Corey kicks the door open successfully and it breaks and it swings open, it swings into the kid with the force of, like, a Mack truck. And the kid, like I said earlier, gets punted down the entire, <laughs> like, spiral staircase. And not like he falls and rolls down the stairs. He somehow gets punted over the railing yep, yep. and falls as the parents 
are entering the door so they yes. can see this happen. It's almost the same level as the uh, second insane asylum patient. Like we see him like hit the concrete, like his whole entire like head explodes. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like it's that level of like it's like a skull and like spaghettios. Like it's that level of just like shit. It's like I did not go back and view this scene again, even though this might be the only part of the movie that I would go back and rewatch because it is it was very unexpected. It definitely definitely caught me off guard in a good way. I was like, oh wow, we're starting like this, you know, but. I would imagine if you went and looked at some of the scenes where Corey gets stuck in the attic, like when he's walking around that top floor, you could probably make it out from the blocking pretty easily. There's no way that the door that he's kicking open is that close to yes. the railing yes. of, of that house, of that, um, of that floor. And there's also the kid's like, you know, very young. The kid is not tall. Somehow nope. the kick of the door had to give upward lift like an arc mm-hmm trajectory to this child so i'm like okay Corey is clearly you know they haven't he said he's going to school for engineering they should have set him up as like the star kicker of the football team or something like that he was the punter yeah because this makes no fucking sense (laughs) otherwise i mean it's great don't get me wrong but this whole thing it like it hit me and i'm like wow that was unexpected and it's like okay and what it cuts to the the opening credits yeah, and stuff like that. Yeah, dun 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 Once the, I think maybe the best way, like you said it, is, you know, the font's blue, which I definitely noticed. And I was like, that's a strange decision, just period. But then it, like, let sink into me. I was like, wait, nothing about that scene made any sense from, like, when I started discussing it to when I just finished. Yeah, everything about it is... Like, like I said, like looking again in the moment, it's fine. Like watching a child's head explode, like going like down four flights of stairs, like on a visceral level, it's like hell yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, like I'm on board with it as in a vacuum. But this is the thing, and this is where my issue comes into this all of this movie, in that it it takes a lot of its events with the Corey character as in a vacuum. Oh sure. So, and that's the thing. Like, I knew like, beyond even before we got to the blue font, I knew we had an issue because the film begins like we see a bunch of kids trick or treating, and it's like one year after the Michael Myers incident, and I'm just like, and you see like everybody's just like going about their normal business, and I'm just like, that's very very peculiar, and clearly it's meant to be a jab at the current state of just the pandemic. How many year years later? Yeah. Um, and I'm like. There no like is somebody who actually like monitors the crowds on Halloween yearly and keeps a tally of how many people there are compared to previous years. No, that you wouldn't have everything that happened supposedly in this universe on 2018 Halloween. And then the very next year, everyone's going about their normal business. Sure, yeah, no freaking way. Yep. But for the sake of for the sake of a movie, sure. And this is how and this is my biggest issue with this film. They also I also do want to mention to that point that where they they the what Jamie Lee Curtis talks about how like things did get back to normal but like everybody became eviler to some extent. But this is but this is the thing where sure, sure. I this is how you fix this movie very easily. That how you fix this movie and you don't make the 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 goober McGoober face character any less jarring. Is that you have the film and it says Halloween 2018. None of this one year later nonsense. It's Halloween 2018. Everybody is blissfully ignorant as to what is happening in the current state of the Haddonfield universe. Mm -hmm. And you see the characters. They're doing their thing. Obviously – 
let's just say that like we have a moment where earlier like that moment the thing when they're watching the thing and the kids like suck my dick bitch yes <laughs> and and let's just say at that moment what makes Corey go into the kitchen is that he left his phone into the kitchen and he gets like there's an alert on his phone he hears like this weird blaring sound like Rrrk. and he goes to look and it's the equivalent of an emergency message that we all supposedly get on our phones if something really bad happened mm-hmm. whether it be like a hurricane amber alert and it says like the uh, three murders in Haddonfield, like, please lock your doors. Sure. And he go and he looks at it. He goes, like, you can tell, like, he, like, I don't know, like, quizzically, like, turns his head to the side. And he's like, huh. Then like, we have the same moment. We sit there, see him, like, go for the beer. He chooses the chocolate milk. He sees the, uh, the butcher knife next to the loaf of banana bread. He goes back and he goes, oh, hey. I don't know, dick kid, like, like, <laughs> like, like, hey, can you like show me something like, like something about safety being like, oh, hey, like, can you lock the windows like for a second? Like there's something happening right now. He goes in and there's nothing there. Like there's no kid. He goes, oh, God. And then we go back and we see the kitchen and the, the, the knife is gone mm-hmm. and he starts to panic, gives a perfect reason for him to have this very exaggerated extreme response to kicking the door especially from our honor student sure sure events continue to unfold the way they do in the movie and then he gets he goes to the attic he gets locked into the attic and then next thing we know as he's like whatever the hell the kid's name is i don't even remember dick mcdick face yep. <laughs> and so he like before the kid reveals himself let's say he gets another alert on his phone it says i don't know how many like Eight like twenty five civilians murdered, eight firemen murdered, and he starts to genuinely panic and go, "Kid, let mm-hmm. me!" I, 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 and like it's like, "Oh my god, oh my god!" And that' why he starts doing that. He realizes that something is about like something bad is happening, and he's scared. He's panicking. Sure, it's grief. It's the idea of just re. And it ties in perfectly to the themes of the twenty eighteen film and kills. It's just reacting without thinking, but there's also a probable cause to it. This is somebody who's in the dark, does not know what just happened, and which is also a theme of Halloween ends, people just reacting without knowing context. Yeah. And so you have him then, he tries to kick the door, and then all of a sudden, like let's just say he hears a noise outside and doesn't know it's the kid. He just thinks, oh God, something's happening. I have to get out to save this kid. Whatever the kid's name is, Billy, Billy. And then he does that. He has this extreme reaction and we keep cutting to just the parents pulling up, unlocking the front door. I think also with your emergency alert would give it reason, give better reason for the parents to come home. Yeah. Other than him just saying your parents are going to be home any minute when it's like, do you not know how long the movie The Thing is? Like there's a lot left in the movie. Like the parents would if everything went fine, the parents would have walked in on them watching The Thing. I know, right? (laughs) Um, the kid and the parents have been like, kids, please at least tell me you're not watching the 2011 film. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, but no. And like, I think what you do is you keep the, the kids participation in this, at least from Corey's perspective, quiet. Corey never knows it's the kid who locked them in until it's too late. Sure. Like, and we said the whole time, like, we, I don't know, we had the kid filming it like on a cell phone. I don't know. He's doing, he's being a brat. Like he's filming it. He's trying to chase clout, whatever the kids these, do these days. Mm-hmm. Um, and you have it. And then by the time Corey realizes what's happening, it's too late. He's already punted the kid over the railing. Yeah. And then cut to dun 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 dun. And it's a perfect baseline for just reacting to tragedy without knowing the whole context. Oh yeah. It. Oh yeah. I'm with you. That that would make a lot more sense for sure. <laughs> exactly. Cause like and as the film continues to evolve, and like I will say that like the Corey Cunningham character, like, isn't a bad character. Like he's pretty relatable. I 
in my opinion, the actor Roan Campbell did a fantastic job with what he was given. Mm-hmm. Like at no point do you dislike him. Do you ever like hate the character? Dear, like he, the acting wise, he's doing, he's showing up and he's coming to play. And I have no problems with that. And then like you have, like we cut back to Jamie Lee Curtis and Jamie Lee Curtis is now a housewife. Yep. Like without, without the house, like, yeah. like in the sense of like, <laughs> like in the sense of like, she's just a housewife now and she's taking care of Alice and her granddaughter and like Allison works like in urgent care where like the doctor is a dick for some reason. Mm-hmm. And then like Jamie Lee Curtis is writing a novel, but for some reason that like the entire town like holds the Michael Myers thing against her. Yep. Yep. For for no other reason than just simply she she's there. Yeah. Exactly. Like I, I don't know. Like like it's so, so strange. Like I even thought at one point while watching this that maybe there'd be a scene that like, oh, the reason why they target her specifically is because she's the only person that has survived this two times. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's never brought up. No, no. I mean, I th- this is what I was saying before is I think there's a lot of interesting things here that are not well executed or fleshed out. Like, like I the one point of th- of what we're getting at now with this, like, why are they blaming Lori for this? I think the only time it really works is when Laurie goes to see Corey's mother, and Corey's mother, who's who, they didn't have Judy Greer for this movie, so they need another huge bitch character. And the mother's like, you know, they could never find your boogeyman, so they had to replace him with my son, type of thing. And I'm like, okay, that's something. But the the thing with the um the woman who gets stabbed in the neck with the fluorescent light from the first movie still yep. being alive, and then the lady outside the grocery store going like, you know. This is all your fault. You provoked that man. And I'm like, they made a clear point in the second movie for Lori to learn that it's not about her. Michael Myers was brought to her by the crazy scientist guy. Like, Hawkins tells her that. And so I'm like, yeah. I am like, I understand maybe the whole town wouldn't know this, but I think that's what you're getting at is uh, – you're talking about how this is movie dealing uh, – people dealing with grief – this lady now has to deal with her sister not being able to talk and being, like, in a wheelchair and having gone through this horrific thing. And – I'm fine. That is grief, and you as people do. They blame it on on other people. But like this, it just comes across as like the script is like, okay, you are upset, and you are only upset at Laurie Strode, and she can't even smile or buy groceries because yep. you're so upset that yep. somebody else hurt your sister. Yeah, exactly. And that's the thing where like I, you would have to presume that it's sometime in 2020 or 2021 that David Gordon Green, Danny McBride, who else was involved, sat around a conference table and was like, well, what is this series? What is this trilogy going to be about? Yeah. Like, what's the theme? Like, it felt like, well, I don't know. Like, and they just like, and they pulled the (laughs) word theme out. uh, They pulled the word uh, grief out of the hat. And they're like, that's what it is. And we have to make this final chapter completely tie into the other two. Even if we have to kind of like force the piece there. Lori Strode is our Doc Brown, and she has to find love at the end of the day. Has to finally destroy much, the DeLorean and and find love at the end of the day. <laughs> like, pretty much, because like I, I I was genuinely surprised. Like I was looking at my watch, and, and I I mean that I don't mean that like in a bad way, but like we don't see Mike Michael Myers does not show up in, until about forty five minutes. Yeah, yeah. Like, and just not even forget about like Michael Myers doing his thing. He doesn't show up as a character until at least halfway through the movie and he doesn't even have anything even to do until what another 20 minutes on top of that. Yep. yep. Like, like it's, it's the point where like, why is this a Halloween movie? Like if you're going to put him on the poster and this is where clearly 
they're trying to be cute with their emulation of Halloween three season of the witch. Like you can't have, like I will say like, like when it comes to marketing, marketing across a film trilogy that spans multiple years is usually not seamless. Like my favorite joke and Chris Porteous loves this. And that if you look at the teaser posters for the star Wars sequel trilogy, both for the force awakens and the last Jedi, the, the positioning in the, the art, of the title, just Star Wars subtitle, is exactly the exact spacing amount from top to bottom. Okay. It's it's identical. The only difference is the color of the font yeah. and the words for the subtitle. Yet when you get to the Rise of Skywalker, they change the size of the font and they change <laughs> its positioning within the the artwork. And if you put all three of them next to each other, the first two are identical. Third one is like did, 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 did nobody have access to the first two when they were designing this? <laughs> yeah. Did nobody proofread it? And that's what, like, getting back to the Halloween, um, the Halloween trilogy art, it's like the first one's Halloween 2018, and it's like the Michael, Ma- like, you can probably find it online. All three posters have a current theme amongst them. And to have the Halloween Ends poster, where it's the mask in the film, where, like, it's both charred and it has some level of mold on it, mm-hmm. that feels like misleading marketing at that point you cannot like even like the theatrical poster for this movie it's very very basic it's michael and laurie oh that's what it just says and i'm like that is not representative of what the film's about (laughs) right (laughs) not in the slightest like Corey is your main character he is your he as much as laurie is the main character of the first film of 2018 he is the main character of the third film. And to not have him in any of the marketing, mm-hmm. like I get it. Like clearly you're trying to build towards something, but to not include your main character in any of it. And then to have Michael, like the, pretty much the entire, they gave away the entire third act showdown between Michael and Lori in the trailers. It's all there, all like 45 and a half seconds of it. Yeah, okay. <laughs> and, and that's where like, I just like, there's a certain level, like I think we've talked about it a couple times over on Cinema. Is like somebody like sues the producers of a film because the marketing was misleading. Mm-hmm. Like somebody I think sued the filmmakers of Drive, the Ryan Gosling film, because they expected a <laughs> Fast and Furious esque movie. Sure, okay. And I'm like, you're stupid and wrong. But like to show Michael Myers and all the marketing and not show Corey and then like yeah. have this film, like it's like it's not that it's illegal or like false advertising but it's certainly misleading definitely you are promising something that is not there to the extent that you're leading the audience to believe it will be yeah i'm with you and even though i didn't see i might have seen a few trailers here and there the start of them on youtube or whatever you know you're absolutely right i was not expecting this this cory character i was not expecting like i said the romance the grief all that stuff i was expecting this to be like a much tighter movie than an hour and 50 minutes and just being like, oh, it's the final showdown between our, our villain and our hero. <laughs> and that's where I really, like I said, like, is, like when I walked out of the theater for this, it was the exact opposite as I felt for Halloween. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I was so deflated. I, I, I was deflated, defeated, dejected. Every word that has the word D as a prefix. I felt that way. Like I, like, I was so excited for this. Like, I sat there, pre-ordered a t-shirt from Fright Rags with the Halloween, like, ends. Like, it's a really cool, like, image. I, like, I, oh, God, I even pre-ordered the goddamn Halloween ends mask. I have the 2018 mask, the kills mask, the masks, the ends mask. And, like, I was so hyped for this. 
And like I walked out of it and I'm just like – and it's funny because like I saw it like at 545. It was the first IMAX showing on the Thursday night preview showing if they still call it that. Mm -hmm. And so by the time Rachel and I were walking out, like you could tell like the late night people were coming in. There was a nice crowd like waiting to get in. And the whole time I'm just like – you people are going to be disappointed. Like even one guy in the crowd, like waiting for the next showing had my shirt on as well, like the same design. And I'm like, you're going to be so disappointed. Like, this is not what you want it to be. Like, if you like this film, like if you're like a hardcore Halloween franchise fan and you like this film, you're doing it as some misplaced sense of just Stockholm syndrome to the franchise. Sure. There's, like I said, like, I, and that's the thing that's so weird because, like, I've been thinking about this movie for the last six days, and I'm just like, like, it's an objectively well-made film. Like, it's shot really well. The soundtrack is great. Like, a couple times, like, the film's, like, taking its time to do its thing, mm -hmm. and, like, the soundtrack is really being just, like, piped in at the right levels, and I'm just like, it's it's a good soundtrack. Like, I'm, like, it's really feeding the, the moment. And then, like, it's just, like, but the theme, like, it's weird to think of the uh, film's flaw being its theme, but it is. It's like, sure. <laughs> Halloween is not, a, like, the Halloween franchise is not about grief, like, and how we process grief. It's such a weird thing to tack on to all this. At, at, at no point in, in Kills or 2018 or 1978 is grief a theme. It's not, and to make that your, 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 period at the end of all this it's so misguided and that's where like i i don't know what to make of this movie like will i rewatch it at some point absolutely i already pre-ordered the steelbook because i'm a bad person but like it, it's i i just don't know like i even thought about last night like especially like rob said it's on peacock there it, it's available and i'm like should i rewatch this and i'm just like what will i gain from this yeah. like well like, like my opinion's not going to change like, I, and I will say that, like, and it's weird. Like, I've seen this in a lot of reviews. That, like, when they throw Michael Myers into the wood chipper, I was angry. I'm like, fuck you people. I'm like, this is so disrespectful to that character that you have done such a phenomenal job of rehabilitating that you literally, A, slight, like, slit his wrist, his yep. throat, and then have, like, this really barba barbaric funeral procession through the town oh, yeah. and throw him in a wood chipper? That did not work what? for me at all. My note is, like, this – I'm like, not only does this not work for me in, like, context of this franchise and the hashtag my Michael Myers, but also, <laughs> like, that the whole town comes together for it. I'm like, fucking videos of them doing this to this man – would be on the internet so goddamn fast. <laughs> like, like the but, National Guard would come in or something. And, and I think that's the thing is that like, like normal people do not strap a corpse to the roof of a car and drive it through town. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, th at this moment, what you're doing is no different what you did to the other insane guy at the hospital. Yep. Like yep. what you're doing is just as bad, if not worse, because at least the first time you did it in Kills, you weren't celebrating it. Like, exactly. I get it. Like, it, it's so, like, all over the goddamn place. And I'm just like, again, like, it's technically a well-made film, but thematically, it's a just a mess. Oh, like, yeah. It's just, yeah. it's a, like, to the point where, like, part of me, like, and this is the weird thing about me, Rob, and maybe you can explain it, considering we've been doing this for how many years, that, like, it's such a goddamn, this, like, I do not, like, for what I wanted from this movie... I do not like it, but it's so just jarring. Like this feels like another Rise of Skywalker. 
and that just like it's so antithetical as to what it's trying to prove <laughs> that like I almost uh, I don't like it subjectively I do not like this film but I almost admire it for its just defiance to what it's what to what it came before to what came before it. sure yeah that that's the thing that stood it's out a defiant for me. film it's like and it's I've never thought of a film as defiant to its franchise but this is to a forty year plus legacy of a film series like this is more egregious than like i've seen both rob zombie films and those films are odd like the second one i i don't even know if that was made on this planet never mind this universe <laughs> sure. in that film at least is more in line to what it's trying to get at than this is yeah i have not seen those but you know i'll, I'll definitely take your word for it you know better than me on that end but yeah i uh, i think you said it you know a little earlier i i have multiple things in my notes where like something will happen and it will seem out of place it will seem like a little confusing you know and there's some moments i want to highlight with that for sure and then i'll be like i don't think i fully understand what this movie is going for it came across to me with a lot of the um a lot of the things that ended up happening even though this is the longest of the trilogy at, at an hour 50 this seemed like it could have started as like or maybe did start as like a two and a half hour movie and then they just cut a bunch of shit out because like so many things just happen so fast, like they have to get there, you know, and and they we have to get to these themes of grief and stuff like that. We have to get um, the granddaughter going off with Corey, and it's like, well, why do they fall in love? Because the granddaughter is just into him. Like they just the see each told other. Them to, yeah, Rob. exactly. The script told them to. It's it's just like you know, there there's no scene. Of course, when Michael Myers and Corey start teaming up to kill. The we see them go and team up to kill the um the doctor the dickhead doctor and the um the person who got the promotion over the granddaughter who didn't earn it and got it because you know she's sleeping with the doctor. There is no scene, at least on the Peacock version. I don't know, maybe there's different versions in IMAX Zach, where the granddaughter tells Corey that she got passed over the promotion for bad reasons and she's getting ang like that scene happens and we get that she gets passed over the promotion and she's angry about it because she deserved it more. But that happens independent of Corey. So how the hell would Corey know to go kill those people? I think because – okay, I, you're 100% right. Like it's a weird target, but the only reason why the doctor character is a target is because to have him kill the band bullies is too direct. Remember early in the film when the doctor is supposed to be treating his hand, he like th – the doctor throws oh, the stack of paperwork yes, at, okay. at Allison's like, file these or what are you doing? I think it's meant to be the that and the fact that just the – the nurse lady, the, the or head nurse lady, mm -hmm. is like screwing around the doctor. It's just meant to be more icing on the cake. But like, it's a moment like that, considering that like this film is trying to be so progressive. And I don't mean that again in the ideological way of saying progressive. I mean it's trying to be progressive to the genre, the subgenre. Okay. That like, oh, the head nurse only because at no point is it ever alluded to prior to that specific scene that the head nurse is screwing around with the doctor. Yeah, a hundred percent. Yeah, it's never alluded to. So to make that your reason, it feels counterintuitive to your whole like this rah rah rah. We are we are a progressive horror franchise. Mm -hmm. Like messaging, like it's very very just like again mess mess. <laughs> I, 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 I it's such a it's such a subtle uninteresting word but i can't think of a more articulate way to describe it other than just mess oh absolutely and and one of the, i think one of the biggest things and the thing that is definitely one that i think is you know making the rounds on the reviews and the internet um that that i've seen is 
why does Michael Myers let Corey live in the sewers? I have heard some crazy shit, and I, I want to know what you think. The craziest one I've heard is that the implication is that when Michael Myers looks into Corey's eyes, he basically, like, imbues Corey's soul with the essence of evil. And I'm like, I did not get that at all. What I got is that they just ripped off the end of Split. When James McAvoy sees that uh, Anya Taylor-Joy has hurt herself, and he's like, oh, we're both depressed, and, and we so we're the same. Somehow Michael Myers can tell that Corey has killed someone, so he sees them as equal or something? But then I'm like, why did My Michael Myers ever kill a cop? Because there's probably cops he's killed that have killed people, too. I don't know. What, what did you, how did you take that? Because I was so confused. I, will, I, I don't mean this to be a cop-out to your answer, Rob. I've thought about this. And my, I mean this genuinely. I don't know. I, I there really is, don't there know is no explanation. As I see it, it is somehow Palpatine returned. It's that <laughs> level of just. It's nice. just. It's just. It's the nature of the beast. For some of again, Michael Myers is pure evil. The evil saw something and decided to not act upon it. There's also an argument to make too that like we have a very. Like there, there's so many scenes in this that are just blatantly disrespectful to Michael Myers as a character. Mm -hmm. In that the moment where like when he drags the um oh god what the abusive ex boyfriend cop into yeah. the sewer or leads him into there and like Michael is like almost like a abused puppy. Yeah, like yeah. this is somebody that is very much just like like again like downtrodden and just. Like, I'm just like, this is not what I want. Like, how is this the guy who literally, like, had, like, wiped out 12 firemen and was surrounded with people and took them all out? I'm like, this is not the same character. This is, like, much like how The Last Jedi people called Luke Skywalker Jake Skywalker. Mm -hmm. This is, like, Michelle Myers, not Michael Myers. <laughs> I'm like – and I don't mean Michelle as, like, derogatory to the women. I mean Michelle as, like, the French, like, version of Michael. It's Michelle Myers. Sure, sure. I mean the more we talk about it, I mean this is, this is the – like I was saying with the Back to the Future thing. It's the – Everybody loves the time travel. Everybody loves the DeLorean. And then for some reason, you're stuck in the Wild West for 95% of Back yep. to the Future Part 3. And for some reason, ZZ Top is there. And everybody goes, <laughs> what the fuck is this? Like, I want my Michael Myers. And it really is. Until the end in this, when Michael Myers attacks Laurie, they have their final showdown. That's the same thing as the train pushing the yep. DeLorean and going, Are, who's going to make it? The Are, clock the, tower. Yeah. It's a clock tower. It's it, a clock tower all over again. It's, it's it's crazy. It's I, like it's 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 so weird that they went this direction. <laughs> but it's, yeah, it's I think the the, the lost pup or the hurt puppy thing. That's what I was getting at earlier because Michael Myers like gets to kill or like Corey brings in that cop and Michael Myers gets to kill him and he like it it is shot like he ate like a mushroom from Mario and he he became <laughs> know, big Mario and I'm I, like and I'm like so does like does he need to kill to survive like is that I'm like mm -hmm. what is this you know. It's it's like I said, like, I don't want it's like anything else. You don't want them to explain it. It's the Jason goes to hell thing again. It's like why like, Jason can sit there, like go in and out of people's bodies. It's like yeah. it doesn't matter. It There's a difference between it doesn't matter and the somehow Palpatine returned. Yeah, there, there's yeah. a there's a difference between those. I'm two. totally like, fine with them, you know, doing these weird things and not giving us full explanation or exposition for it. But at least has it has to be reasonably interpretable. Well, that's the thing. What I thought walking into this movie without seeing it was that 
Michael Myers was going to be underground to some like underground, like not literally as he is in this movie, but he is. <laughs> sure. Yeah. He disappeared. Like he, he's a, he's a fan. He's a phantom. He disappeared. He can't be around all the time. And so I thought what something was going to happen is that somebody in the, especially after Halloween kills, somebody in the Haddonfield universe would be like, Oh, I'm going to commoditize Michael Myers and make like knockoff masks. And maybe oh, this mask okay. was going to be like not as – I don't know. Like especially after Halloween Kills and we know that they have Season of the Witch masks. Yeah. <laughs> um, maybe somebody like was doing that and that's why this new character Corey is that this new character Corey has some sort of chip on his shoulder and he's going to emulate the acts of Michael Myers under the guise of being him. Sure. And then Michael Myers is going to find out that somebody is – doing his shtick and much like freddy versus jason like oh michael myers is feeding off the negative energy or just the evil energy and that's what gets him to be back into the game yeah that's okay. what i thought was going to happen instead we have maybe one of the clunkiest moments in slasher film history where we have a random 23 year old attack a slasher icon say give me that mask yeah you're just and an old man in, in the yeah, sewers or something yeah, <laughs> rip it off his face and then like crawl on his hands and knees out of a sewer pipe and i'm just like this is so disrespectful yes. i'm like like i feel like i said like it's not even that i dislike this movie i do dislike it but it's not even that i dislike it I feel almost disrespected by it and like it's just like you 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 did this all so well and then you like intentionally pissed on it because you wanted to be clever. Like this is a film that thinks it's more clever than it actually mm, is. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, I would I would agree. I think especially the um, that being what I was saying earlier about how I think there's some really neat ideas here, but they're not executed well at all. As I think they're trying to execute them in a way that they're they're trying to be too clever, like you said. Like I I really do think they could have done something very interesting with the notion of this like kid. Not kid, you know, like you said, mid twenty year old, whatever, teaming up with Michael Myers to kill. Like Michael Myers now has some successor or something like that. But that, like, like, like I said, it's never fleshed out with the other characters. It's just that for some reason, Corey is now evil, and we get the all that shit where it's like I saw the evil in his eyes, and it's like you know, okay, that did you did you see it the whole time? Did you see it after he like first saw Michael Myers? Like that's never really explained, and then. Even the dad, the the dad of the kid that he um you know uh, accidentally kills at the start of the Corey kills at the start of the movie. There's that scene where you know Lori goes to the bar and she talks to whatever the other survivor's name is, and she's like, "I'm worried. I'm worried about my granddaughter. She's you know getting with this kid, and I think he's evil. Like I've seen what I see in Michael in his eyes." And then the the other survivor who runs the bar goes like, "I want you to meet somebody." And then they go, they just walk over to a pool table. And yep, they start talking yep. to the father, and the father so explains funky. how he saw the same evil in Corey's eyes like an a evening ago. ago. Yes, yeah, yes. Exactly. He's like, I was, he's like, after, oh God, what would it be? He's like, after three years, I finally decided my wife was wrong, and this kid was nothing but good this whole time, and I was about to drive over to his house and tell him he is a good kid, even though he's like 23 years old. But then I saw him <laughs> on the highway. And he had the darkest of eyes. 
like doll's eyes. Like, and it goes directly into like the Robert Shaw like jaw speech about yeah, eyes. Yeah, yeah. And I'm just like, like what? And like what? Like two days earlier, the wife is there and she's like doing the like Real Housewives thing mm-hmm. of like, and like Kyle Richards is like holding her back, being like, "You're the reason why my son died." And I'm just like, this is so like. For for writers to have their heads so far up their own ass, <laughs> it's so pedestrian. Like it's so jarring. Like I just I can't believe that the same people who did the 2018 film so right and kill so well got this so wrong. Mm. Like like it, it's it's so inexplicable how jarring and disconnected this film is from everything that went before it. Yes, yes. Like again, that's what I said. Like a, like at the start. It threw me for a loop, you know, and in a, in not in the way that Kills did, where Kills would be like, okay, I can get behind that, and I understand it more. Some things might have been out of order. This is just like you said, totally disconnected. Stuff's missing. Like they're they're just they're moving through it like they just like it's nobody's business, and it, none of it makes. Oh God, it's it's rough. There's some like I said, some neat ideas, and I wish they fleshed them out more. But that just like it all becomes after school special. I mean, the the band kid bullies, we have to talk about more. One, because of the car they drive. I don't know if you noticed, Zach. I think they actually say it, so you might have picked up on it. It's a LeBaron. Uh, <laughs> is it? Yeah, is it, it is. a LeBaron? Yeah, yeah. And so oh, my God. I, and so I, there was just so many times where I wanted oh my God. The, the kid, I think his name's Terry, the main bully kid, to be like, you know, making fun of... Um, uh, Corey having a bicycle and be like, I only see one LeBaron. Where's your LeBaron, Corey? <laughs> I have the LeBaron. Okay. All right. I will give, okay. We'll give credit where credit is due. If I was consciously aware of that during the movie, it would have scored some brownie points. Okay, I, it would have scored some, some brownie points. All right. You convinced me. Okay, Rob, you're, you're working in the movie's favor right now. There. It's yours. Hop in. Oh. Come on. You're oh. driving. It's, uh, it's a LeBaron. You bet your boots. It's a LeBaron. Good car. Convertible. Jeez. Uh, convertible. This is number one son in the license plate. That's me. I'm the number one son. What about me, Mom? Well, you're number one son, too. But how come Gord gets a LeBaron and I don't? It's because they love me more than they love you. No, 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 they don't. Oh, yeah, I only see one LeBaron, Freddy. I only see one. I don't see two LeBarons. Gordy. Gordy. Do you see two LeBarons? Gordy. Not at all. Where's your LeBaron, Freddy? Where's your LeBaron? Boys. Boys. How many LeBarons? Are there two LeBarons? Shut up! Gord. This this car is more than a gift. It's it's kind of an investment in you. It means I believe in my son. You be a good man. Father, I, I will be a good man. You make your daddy proud. You hear me? I'm gonna make you proud, daddy. I'm gonna make you so proud. You make your daddy proud. You're gonna be so proud. Proud? Proud. But then it's like when um, the bullies catch back up to Corey, like, after he gets all pissed off at the Halloween party, um, after they're, him and the granddaughter are dancing to Halloween by the Dead Kennedys, and they're, it's like, they're tweaking on acid or something, like, they're rolling around on the floor, and it's like, this, like, this, you got, your drinks got spiked, okay? Like, otherwise, you're just out of this world, only two people crumping in the middle of this dance floor at this high school party or whatever. 
maybe a little just a bar party whatever but like he goes off and he's he's just down the road and he's walking over the um uh, you know over the overpass and the kids pop up the kids just happen to be around Corey every single time he's out in public and they all get out and they start you know bullying him and stuff like that and it's like once again like you said they're trying to show how people process grief and Corey has not yet figured out how to process his grief but he has somehow gained a degree in child psychology and is able to very well articulate why Terry is a bully to him and it's because his father is mean to him which I'm fine with. That was set up a little bit earlier in the movie, and it's kind of the implicit notion we're supposed to gain and gain from, you know, characters like this. It's like the old school, like, mantra of bullies, how to understand bullies. It's like they're bullying you because of the trickle-down effect or because someone, they're insecure about something. But it's like, it's like he's reading a fucking segment from, like, the DSM-5 on mental health disorders or something like that. It's so, it's so well put. And I'm like, it, it, it comes across as like a thesaurus movie to me, where you have a very basic idea and you can write it down in five words, but then you somehow, some reason, took the time to open a thesaurus and say the same basic idea, but with 25 words. And it's just like, make it realistic or naturalistic, at least in some sense, and don't even get me fucking started on the one band kid always walking around with drumsticks. Like, God, he should be getting bullied, too. With the mullet? Yeah, yeah. I'm like, he should be getting bullied, too. Like, put your fucking drumsticks away, you idiot. You know? It's like the kid who walks around with the guitar and says, like, hey, I'm gonna put you Wonderwall now. And it's like, we're getting gas. What are you talking about? (laughs) Yeah, it's like like that moment too is so on the nose. Like, I I don't know. Maybe maybe they I don't want to say they took their their audience for granted, but it feels like they they thought very little of their audience. It feels sure. like they read the criticism for Halloween Kills, mm. and they're like, okay, we have to make this more sophisticated. And I think yeah, that's I that. maybe where they thought their safe space was, and that okay, if we make this more quote i can't i can't put enough quotation marks around the word sophisticated so i won't <laughs> right. try and that was the idea and that like oh that's what this needs and it's like how do you, has one become sophisticated and this is what they thought it was that that's the only other thing i can think of yeah maybe i mean the the, the sophistication i think once again air quotes it it all falls apart or maybe not even falls apart because it's not there but like i can't even imagine how they could see it as sophisticated when you know, you have these bully characters. They are just the biggest assholes and, like, over-the-top bullies. You have Corey's mother, who is just the craziest woman in existence. I do have to say, one of my favorite lines from this movie is when he, like, doesn't tell her who she's texting. He's texting at the dinner table. And she says, boys who keep secrets don't get custard for dessert. Boys who keep secrets don't get custard for dessert. And it said... It's said like the exact same way as Cloris Leachman as Nurse Diesel in High Anxiety. Those who are late to dinner do not get fruit cup, you know? <laughs> and I'm just like, what the fuck is this? Dr. Thorndike, how do you do? Charlotte Diesel. I have left a complete medical file of everyone in the Institute here in your room. I'm sure you'll want to rest a bit and freshen up before you meet the rest of the staff. Dinner is served promptly at 8 in the private dining room. Those who are tardy do not get fruit cup. But then even, they meet the DJ for one scene. And the DJ is like, listen, I don't know you, 
but you're here, so I'm gonna fuck you up, you know? And I'm just like, what? I'm like, every, it gets to a point in the movie where when they're, um, the granddaughter and Corey are like ready to leave, and you know, and even the the granddaughter's freaking out and at, at Lori and saying like, you're obsessed with death, and you know, we gotta move on, I gotta get out of here. And then Corey's like, well, I'm gonna go around and kill everybody. I'm like, I'm kind of on their side. Kill all these assholes and get the fuck out of this town, you know? Like, this town is nothing but horrible to you. <laughs> I, I I don't know. Like like you said, there's so much of this going on. Like, even with, like, everybody is so immediately disenchanted with Haddonfield. Mm-hmm. It almost reminds me of the, like, a, um, oh, God, like, it's weird to think of, like, nothing but trouble but like the idea of like a town that's like off the map, so to speak. Sure. Like, like it, it's, it, it's the idea of like, oh, we're living in a place that is, oh god, geographically undesirable. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, and it's just like, where was that in any of this? <laughs> right. And that's, and I think that's even like, in, in, I think it's in Freddy's Dead: The Final Nightmare, in that like, oh, the the town of I forget what it's called in, in Nightmare on Elm Street, but it's like that town's like deserted. It's like it's like a ghost town. Okay. And like, it, but again, like that was an idea from a very very maligned quote end of a horror sequel, like like franchise. Sure. Sure. And that's one where I'm just like, there's so many regurgitated ideas into this, which I don't think they're specific. I don't think anybody in the writer's room is like, aha, Freddy's dead. We got it. But you can't help but draw those comparisons. Sure, sure. And then, like, you have that one comment that, like, Allison makes, like, burn it down. And I'm just like, since when have you become disenchanted with any of this? And it's like, you've always been the happy-go-lucky one. Like, you've been the, like, this, the the bright spot of optimism in all of these movies. Yeah. And now, all of a sudden, because you're dating a guy who, who, who's who been persona, labeled persona non grata by the town, that, like, you're now giving into it, and he hasn't really shown you any of it. Like, she's, like, in the, the movie makes a very big point of, like, not making her complicit in any of his crimes. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like, she's always either just walking out of frame when he starts or walking in the moment he's finished. Yes. And so she's always outside of it. And I'm like, you, again, it would have been really interesting because, like, a lot – I've seen some criticism online being like, oh, uh, Corey and, and uh, Allison are like, are like um, Romeo and Juliet. And then someone's like, no, they're Bonnie and Clyde. And it cuts like back to like the thing from the first movie where they're like her and Cameron are dressed up as like Bonnie and Clyde, but gender reversal. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, I don't know. Like Allison is such a non-character in all these. Like Definitely. in the first film, she's the, oh, I want to give grandma a shot, Judy Greer. And then the second film, she's like, I have a shotgun in my hands. I have a taste <laughs> for blood. Yep. Then the third film, she's just like, fuck it all, burn it down. And then like, and then by the very, very end, she's just like, I'm going to start my life anew. And it's like, where, like, where does any of this come from? Like, she's not a character. She's like a weather vane just following the directions of the wind. Yeah, yeah. It's just like, I just, I don't get it. Like, I just, I cannot mentally wrap my head around Halloween ends. Like, every other film in this franchise, outside of Rob Zombie's Halloween 2, I have figured out, except for this movie. This movie is such an enigma to me and that like I, I don't like it, but I also don't dismiss it either. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm with you. There's definitely like I said in my notes a lot. I'm, I'm definitely in agreement with you that there's just like I'm not really sure what this movie's going for until like the final showdown between Laurie and Michael Myers, because that's what I thought the whole movie was going to fucking be about. And all this other grief stuff and, and after school special stuff. I'm just like. 
this is kind of all over the place, and I don't really get it. And like you said, the granddaughter wanting to burn everything down. Once again, we get that another scene with Corey being like a professional psychologist where, you know, he says something to her. He's like, when people see me in this town, they see me as the killer. But when they see you, granddaughter, they see you as the victim. And she's like, I'm not. She's like, well, they see me as the victim, but they're still projecting the evils that happened of that on me. And I'm like, you know, I'm like. I'm like, even if they're, you know, what, 23 to 25 years old, they're not going to have a conversation this articulate. Like, Corey would just get pissed off, and it starts very well when he leaves the party. He's like, why'd you bring me here? This is why I don't go out. Everybody hates me. Just have him run off, and we'll deal with that later, you know, after he, you know, gets thrown off the bridge by the bullies and finds Michael Myers and all that stuff. That's fine. We'll get to that later. But instead, they're like, no. It's basically like they're sitting down, and it's like, well, I feel that this is how the people of the town see me. And there's some arbiter, like a, like a, like a marriage counselor, going, now, Corey, how does that make you feel about the townspeople? Mm-hmm. Yep. And I'm like, God, what is this? <laughs> it's, it's, I guess, I don't know. Being, I don't I'm know. fine with us watching our characters process emotion without exposition. For some reason, they're just like, there's no emotion to process. Like, I've processed it all. And I'm just gonna, and I and I've processed it so well. I've memorized the flashcards I've written down about it and put in my scrapbook of my, you know, mental mind palace. And I'm just gonna regurgitate those. But again, this is where I think it comes down to the sophisticated thing. They think that's yes. what sophistication is. Yes, absolutely, absolutely. It's like regurgitating very specific talking points equals sophistication. That and that's what it has to be. Like I have to wonder, like especially like again, so I was doing more research on this, and that like apparently I, I I don't even know how true this is. It's so specific, you would have to assume it's true. But I heard for the Exorcist remake, they already not just shot but reshot <laughs> Ellen Bernstein's footage for it. Okay, okay. And they paid her such an – and I don't know where this came from, but like the story is they paid her such an astronomically high sum because she wanted nothing to do with this that she was able to create her own endowment for like individuals that her and her family see fit for whatever the hell it's going to be about. Okay. So she's finally getting some payback for them destroying her back in the original film. <laughs> I, you would have to assume so. And I have to wonder, was that was this just an afterthought because they were more con- considering that like the Exorcist is the grand poobah of all horror? Mm-hmm. You is this just simply we have to get this done because we're contractually obligated? Yeah, that's what it seems like. Absolutely. And just like okay, like what like what, what is it that we need to do for this? Okay, so like just getting it done, getting it done, getting it done, just <laughs> yeah. pencil whipping it until it's out the door. Like that's what it has to be because like I, I it's even when it comes to like. Oh God, pop culture consensus that like every single like podcast, YouTube, this, that, like nobody like professionally speaking, and I pain to say that like it pains me to say that YouTube is professional now. <laughs> sure. But, like all the professional cr- critics are like never deride this film. They say, well, it's uneven in places. It could use some improvements here. But at the day, it's like a gentleman's sex. Like it's it's one of those. <laughs> OK, sure. And then like you look on like social media, like in the comment section or people like posting their like letterbox reviews for the entire franchise. And this is at the bottom in every – and like I said, obviously these are all anecdotal sentiments. Yeah, yeah. But like ends is at the bottom of all of them. Sure. 
And then even in some of the box office stuff that I was reading this weekend, like, oh, it did like $40 million this weekend, which is obviously like almost half as less as Halloween 2018, $10 million off from Halloween kills. And then like the thing like afterwards, after that is what the, with the uh, lackluster word of mouth, this should die off quick. And mm-hmm. it's like, well, there you go. Yeah, yeah. There you go. Like the word of mouth on this cannot. Nobody is happy about this. The best case scenario so far seems like it's okay. It it, it has a theme. Like there's more admiration of this film than there is enjoyment of it. Yeah, I could I could definitely see that from what I was reading as well. Absolutely, the rankings I saw on Letterboxd certainly were very very low. Yeah, more more of like the confusion, maybe confused admiration, befuddled admiration. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and that's the thing where like I this this feel like much like I think we talked about it a lot during like Vox Lux and things like that, where it's the idea of like I feel like they're trying to get at something. Whereas with Vox Lux to this day, I'm still trying to figure out if it's me or the ineptness of the filmmaker. <laughs> sure. This feels more the ineptness of the filmmaker than me. Yeah, I, I would definitely give you a, a, like ineptness of the writing and stuff like that for sure. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's it's um, quite disappointing. Quite disappointing. It's, it's very strange to sit there and your mini franchise revival on the killer being like, – think about, like, think about what he does at the end of Halloween Kills. Like where he's just like – he's literally cornered being shot, beaten with like rakes, pitchforks, Lord knows what else. And he's able to repel all of that. Yep. And then in this, they literally just pin him to like a countertop with a steak knife. Yeah, yeah. And it's like how can you take that seriously? Like I like there even there was one moment where I was kind of on board where like you have the moment where like Allison's like, fuck you, Jamie Lee Curtis. I'm gonna go hang out with this guy I met one week ago and we're gonna live together as we do something else. <laughs> yeah. And then like you have this entire thing where like Jamie Lee Curtis like breaks out like what the bottle of like whiskey or bourbon and she like calls nine one one. She's like, I'd like to report a suicide. And then like we hear the gunshot and we see like at the time we don't know it's this, but it's the pumpkin like being shot. And then like the door opens and it's Corey and she's like, You really didn't think I was gonna kill myself, motherfucker. And I'm like, okay, like that's that's a cute subversion of expectations. Cause like in the moment you believe, like, okay, Lori has lost so much in her life. She lost the like it, it sold me. In the moment, it okay. sold me. And I'm like, okay, like that's a cute subversion of expectations. And then even like obviously, like they 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 pin Corey down as well. And then my I'm like, oh, like and then like we see Michael take the mask off and he reclaims it and he puts it on. And it's like, okay, like now he's gonna kill Corey. How's he gonna kill Corey? Oh, he just snaps his neck. Yep. And I'm like, God, like I'm like, really? <laughs> that is so goddamn pedestrian. To snap a like anybody can like in, in realistically speaking, anybody can snap somebody's neck if they try. If somebody's immobile, it's not hard to do that. And to have the faux killer be that their demise, I'm just like you couldn't do something. Like we literally have a DJ's like a sharp tongue DJ's tongue get cut off, yes. put on a record table as as the needle has to bounce off of it every time it makes a revolution. I'm like that's cool. That's what I want from this. And then, like, you get a, a neck snapping. And yeah. I'm just like, 
It's uh, deflating. Like, it's just like, like if you're not even going to try, why should I care? Yeah, I would have even been fine, and I think much better off it would have been if Michael Myers just stabbed him with the knife. Because we have all the setup earlier of when Corey first finds him and brings the cop down. He's like, you know, show me how to kill type of thing. And Michael Myers uses the knife. Then they have they have some rapport, even though Michael Myers doesn't talk. These two clearly have some rapport that Corey went back on by somehow beating up Michael Myers and stealing his mask. And I think it would have been a very much more impactful moment if, you know, Corey gets stabbed by Michael Myers, like right in the stomach or something. And then you get the shot of Michael Myers facing close up and it tilts a little bit and you kind of get the emotion of the wordless just sense that he's like, you know, this is how you do it. This is how you kill. Whatever you were doing is not what I'm doing. They even regurgitate that moment earlier with the whole moment where – um Oh God! Uh, they killed the 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 head nurse lady, and Michael sure. impales her with a knife against the wall, almost practically shot for shot from Halloween nineteen seventy eight. Yep. And he and the whole time I'm watching this, I'm like, please don't do the head tilt, please don't do the head <laughs> tilt, please don't do it. And he does it, and I'm like, why would this be mesmerizing to him? He literally killed twelve firemen. Yeah. Yeah. Why would he sit there be mesmerized by this? There's no curiosity to this anymore. He's been doing this for the last I'm just like <laughs> it, it's almost as if the people like maybe like maybe second unit worked on this. Ooh, like maybe yeah. David Gordon Green just couldn't be on set and second unit did all this. Like you have to wonder if this was just simply a contractual obligation get it out the door mm -hmm. and and also again even before the movie came out like everything i was reading everyone's like oh like i'm surprised after how well halloween kills did that they're once again now that we're firmly in a post spider-man no way home world where movies can make almost two billion dollars again like why they're doing this and then the rhetoric was well like like based on how the film is like it makes sense and like you have to wonder if this was just simply a getting it out the door mm. let's just Make as much money as we can with putting the least amount of effort into it. Yet at the same time, the film, technically speaking, is well crafted. Like it, it's shot well, it's yeah. lit well, it's it's edited well, it's the sound design is good, and it's like it's so jarring. Like it's 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 like putting together furniture, and it tells you like, oh, once you hear the snapping sound, you know it's in like in place, and it's doing that and realizing, <laughs> okay, like it feels it's in place, but I didn't hear the snap sound. Like it's it's there's that one element missing that would that leads you to believe that you've done it right. And that's the element they've chosen to ignore. Yeah. Yeah. I, I really I don't have I, I out of all three. I have the least notes on this one just because it, it was so, you know, off putting and so strange. I was it was more of the confusion, <laughs> like we were saying, it, you know, it's it's befuddlement. Like it really yeah. is like and that's where like I again, I'm not going to re like much like how I waited a year for Halloween kills. I am not going to delve into this for some time, but like I, I, I will be interested to read like whatever it may be a year, two years, three years. Mm -hmm. When I do rewatch this, I will be interested to be like, okay, will I find something else? Like, will there be something now that it's had time to settle and gel? Yeah. Maybe there's another layer that's going to come to the surface. Yeah, maybe, maybe there's something more to crack here. I mean, you know, maybe there's something more to crack in, in understanding the, um, you know, why Michael's my, Michael Myers, lets Corey live and kind of takes him under his wing for lack of better I, term. that that i have to say that's gonna always be we're never gonna know why. okay because that doesn't so make, the, it doesn't so make then, sense no not it at literally all. makes no sense so then the other option is the thing to crack is is the lebaron the lebaron is the key to it all it has to be <laughs> <laughs> those are the only two things we got man <laughs> only, the only thing that could make that better is at some point like the jock kids are like driving out of a parking lot and someone gets in their way and they yell get the fuck out of my way oh that should have happened that would have been so on brand for those characters no right <laughs> i know right 
Oh my god! Like I, I again, Halloween ends. It's a uh, it, it's a weird considering that they were uh, for me at least they were on fire for two out of the three, mm-hmm. and to then just I don't even know what you would call it. I don't think fumble is a strong enough word. It's it's almost as if the equivalent of throwing it into the wrong end zone. <laughs> like it's, like sure. it's that level of like just like like an error. Um. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I mean, I I think the 2018, like I said, is a solid movie. Um. I I don't really think I like kills or ends. Like in general, I would definitely give the edge to. But see, I think they're almost incomparable from because I understand a, kills a little bit more with the way you presented it. You know, in this discussion, but it just did not click with me. And this didn't just just doesn't click with me in a completely different way. And it's so strange, like the disconnectedness. And it's it's just it's weird. I mean. What do we want these days? These big trilogies that are all based off some, you know, skipping sequels and they're all the the requels and stuff like you were saying. They all seem to just, you know, take nosedives. That just seems to be the pattern these things follow. It's, it unfortunately is the nature of the beast cuz again, yeah. you watch Halloween Kills and it's like where do you go from there? Like where do you like you ended it perfectly. Like he's this unstoppable phantom. All you got to do is just again, it goes back to what Laurie Strode uh did in the first movie. Like there's there's no beating the boogeyman. Yeah. Like, like the boogeyman can't be defeated. You can fight him to a draw, and that's the best case scenario: is you repel him long enough to get away with your life, and that you can't ask for any more than that. Yeah, yeah, and um, you know, I, I think of course that it's a it's a more populist movie, but a populist trilogy. But like the Back to the Future example I've been using, <laughs> what the very end of Back to the Future Three is when Doc Brown the kid comes grabs back. his like, like grabs the, yes, his cross yes. and points at he it, does, and yeah. somehow that made it into the final cut of the film. And and so and Doc Brown says something to Marty like you know go off and and live your life like you know the future hasn't been written yet you know so you can now do whatever you want with. Maybe Elizabeth Shue is there. Maybe she's passed out in garbage still from the second movie. I really don't remember. I have not. <laughs> Maybe seen it's the part original three. actress that they had to recast. Oh yeah, with the original yeah, Elizabeth, yeah. Elizabeth Shue. And then it's like that's kind of like. And then of course Doc Brown and Clara go off, and then they what they like fly away on a train or some shit. Yeah, like they that. fly away on a train, Rob. That's how. Okay, much like how every movie should end with a character going off to kill God. Every other movie <laughs> should end with the characters getting onto a magical time traveling flying train. That, well, yeah, yeah, that. You're not wrong there. Um, and if I keep in mind, Doc Brown was able to manufacture, was able to modify a local <laughs> steam locomotive to not just time travel, but to fly, which begs the question, <laughs> wouldn't it have been just as easy as to make something like that to make it like, I don't know, the size of like a sedan? Like, sure, like, sure. like if you could make a train fly in time travel, why wouldn't you just do some other design while you're at it? <laughs> Not even a Kevin Klein's train in Wild Wild West could fly. You know? Exactly. It had a, a pool table that could go under the train, but it could not fly. Yeah. But I, I mean, like the end of this movie, we get the thing where, you know, the, the Marty McFly of this movie, to some extent, is the granddaughter and she her future's unwritten. She leaves Haddonfield. She's going to go and, you know, find somebody who isn't a crazy, you know, murderer like Corey. And then there's a the whole thing with uh, Laurie and Hawkins are like, you know. Hey, I brought you some carrots. You want to go to Japan with me? And it's like, I think I might Cherry go blossoms. to Japan with Cherry you. Cherry blossoms. Yeah, and I'm just like, oh, okay, so weird. I guess. So freaking you know? weird. <laughs> like, it, it's the thing, it's where, you know, it, I think slashers, I think the bare minimum that I know about slashers, that anybody would know about slashers, is that you always have the crazy nonsense of the monster popping back up at the end. Yeah. Then this is just not this is just not that which is why I don't even think like I said at the start of this part of of us talking it's not a horror movie. It's, it's not. It's, it's, it's a, a character drama a, about yeah, grief that yeah. features a slasher villain. 
Just like it's so it's a, weird. Just like Back to the Future Part Three is not a time travel movie. It's a romance movie. Exactly. I I I I just don't know. Like and even the final shot of just like the mask sitting on like the coffee table, and it's just like, okay, like like you've made such a big point of proving to us that you can't emulate him, and now you're gonna leave it ambiguous as to. Yeah. Like no, and then like it smash cut to don't fear the reaper. Oh god, yeah, don't what a fear horrible, the reaper. Horrible needle drop for the end. Yeah, I, I mean, just like it's clunky, and I'm just like, and, like I'm sitting there, like I'm not happy at this point when the credits are playing. I'm like, at least it's fun to hear this, like with the IMAX sound system. <laughs> sure. I'm like, like it's fun to hear good music played over a well calibrated sound system. So like, I guess that's the silver lining to all this. I I I. No, Halloween ends. Like I said, I I don't know if it's a bad movie. I just think it's a horribly, horribly like just muddled mess. Yeah, I I also think you know at the end when uh, of course before the um when when everything's wrapping up after they have the weird funeral procession, Laurie finishes her book and she says something like you know all problems to be solved by dumping it into a yeah and what she says something like no gravestone we're gonna let this story fade in into you know obscurity and I'm like you wrote a whole fucking book about it are you not gonna publish the book (laughs) like throw that in the garbage disposal but my my (laughs) thought I thought it would be more interesting if with what we know about how much the whole fucking town hates Lori, uh, you know, even though we've only seen a very minute bit of it, like two random characters, even the bullies call her a, a freak show or whatever. Yeah. So there is some animosity to her. It would have been fucking insane. And I would have approved of it much more than what we actually got. If they do the whole funeral procession, they get up on the, uh, on the big wood chipper, you know, metal crusher thing. Lori throws Michael Myers bo- body in and she turns around and, you know, says to the entire town, like, it's done. Like, we've finished him. And the whole town should then go, now you jump in next. <laughs> exactly. Like, we need this entire story to end. And then you have a great tonight. scene. Evil dies Evil dies tonight. And we have a great scene where the granddaughter's freaking out, like, no, you can't kill her, that type of thing. And they hold her back, and they throw Lori in the metal crusher. She's gone. And then they throw the granddaughter in the metal crusher. And then they throw Hawkins in the metal crusher. It should, At that point, they just should throw the script into the, 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 the wood chipper. If this just is supposed to all. be the definitive end to Michael Myers, everything stems from that original night. They should kill everyone who's left from that original night. And then the, then the town can finally start to heal. <laughs> I – oh, my god. So, OK. I will say that apparently – again, there's, there's conjecture when it comes to how – apparently there was an alternate ending for this movie. OK. And so – OK. This is what this is what the tweet thread says. So the original ending of Halloween ends as existed before June 2022. As mentioned, Allison did not return to the kitchen. Lori and Michael still had their fight to the same result. No procession followed. Lori took Michael's body to a funeral home and cremated it with a mask. Lori wrote in her book with the same evil doesn't die. It changes shape entry. The ring of the doorbell was Allison. She and Lori talk. Some of this footage is in the original ending with Allison saying Lori was right about Corey. Mm-hmm. This is all dialogue recorded later. And you'll notice Lori looks withdrawn and sad. That's because she's fighting something in this ending. She lunges out and tries to strangle Allison. Lori comes to her senses and releases. She yells at Allison to leave Haddonfield. Allison does heartbroken. Lori watches her go and then slams the door shut. Evil never dies. The end. Uh, okay, at least there's something a, seemingly a little more interesting there than our than our Doc Brown ending. But yes, yes, uh, with, with the, 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 I, I guess I think that funeral possession is like I don't like the idea of like Lori being weirdly possessed by Michael Myers. It makes this more of an entity sure. than just simply like an evil anomaly. 
but like like the funeral possession is egregious. Yes, absolutely. But like that's also just as clunky, but from a different angle. <laughs> yeah, you're right. You're right. <laughs> so, like I said, that's just when I'm like, oh god, was there really no incarnation of this that was ever going to be good? Like, was every incarnation going to be clunky? Was every wheel going to be square? Yeah, I mean, who knows? I, I think um, that's why I can't wait till uh, three months from now when we get Medea involved and we see uh, we see how that all turns out. Oh my god! <laughs> all right, Rob. With that being said, are we ready to delve into questions? Yeah, I think so. I'm trying to think. I'm sure there's some crazy lines and stupid shit I wrote down that I just can't find because there's so much here. Um, but it's uh, it's it's just it's the way it goes. It's the way these trilogies go, and they went downhill and. Um, uh, I mean, I'm glad I watched them. I'm glad that, you know, that I think they could have done different things, like we said. But, you know, that, that 2018 one is well worth enough just to keep in the keep on the hard drive and, you know, keep in the back of my head. And I think that leads me to questions is that this is something I think definitively with how differently I thought, personally, I thought, and seemingly you thought about them as well, that these should be separated to some extent. Yeah. I also yeah. think they should be separated because if a franchise is going to ignore sequels, they are inherently creating separation, you know? Yes. <laughs> Yes. So I I do have to say I think Cinemodities I'm going no across the board just because I think they're they're slasher movies. I think there's not enough of that crazy goofiness in that second one where I'm I'm more bored and dragging at parts and it kills, I mean, to give that a Cinemodities. So I don't think any of these are really odd. And I'm going to go to no to late night for the uh, 2 and 3 or I guess 3 and 4, kills and ends. But that that 2018 one, I mean, that would not only, I think, be like a good late night if someone hasn't seen it, maybe like what my friends did for me where it's like, oh, I have some knowledge of the original. You should check out this this remake, requel, whatever the hell you want to call it. Um, and even is kind of like a, uh, a a double feature, I would say, you know, with the original or something like that. So I have to say late night, my only yes for all six of these questions is for the 2018 one. It's a less yes to late night. Um, what do you think? Okay, I'm going to do uh, an inverse okay. for cinema. <laughs> no, not for you, but just how I'm going to give my answer for oh, cinema. Sure, sure. Twenty eighteen kills no ends yes ends is such a weird anomaly in all this that just takes everything that they're doing and just throws it out the window. Mm-hmm. Um, for so so for cinemati yes for ends for late night movie the exact opposite. I'm going to say yes to twenty eighteen and kills no to ends because ends is just in in oh god irredeemable mess. So yeah, like I guess I think twenty eight. Especially if you've seen, I don't even think you need to see nineteen seventy eight to appreciate nineteen. I think there's sure. enough cultural momentum behind the franchise that even if you've never seen seventy eight, you can watch twenty eighteen. Then obviously twenty eighteen segues nicely into kills. Um, I think that works. I, I think there's enough energy propelling the twenty eighteen film to get you to kills as well. So yeah, that's my answer to that. Okay, right on, right on. So I guess that brings us to the restaurant. And now, Zach, I have I have my snacks, snacks. by movie, basically, because I just you – By know, movie. Yeah, like when I watched a movie, wrote down the snacks for that one, watched the next one, wrote down the snacks for that one. And I, I should be learning this by now, but maybe this kind of adds to the fun of the restaurant sometimes is that, you know, I, I did not watch these like three nights in a row or anything. I definitely had some space in between them. Definitely, you know, kind of don't remember the um, the 2018 since I didn't watch it as recently, of course. But, you know, this always leads me to when I write down my snacks. If we usually just watch one movie for an episode, I can just write down, you know, like quick non sequiturs. And I'll be like, oh, in the moment, I can remember where that snack came from. Whenever we do these longer episodes where we cover more than one, I usually fall into the trap of I write something down for one of the earlier movies I watched, in this case, Halloween 2018. And I do not remember what it relates to. Uh, I have two for Halloween 2018 that I do not remember what it relates to. 
Uh, one of them is peanut butter on a penis. Do you have any idea? Is there? Oh my talk, god! Is there a talk of like 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 an animal licking peanut butter off genitals or anything? Like, why would I have written I, this? I I I feel I don't know <laughs> what that's specifically in reference to, but what I will say is I know what the best friend character in her boyfriend maybe oh maybe it's like you could lick it off me or something like that i'm thinking okay. maybe i know at one point the uh the the best friend's boyfriend character gets like a tattoo it says like 10 31 18 she and he's she's like what does that mean he's like it's the day that like our lives change forever and she's like do me now oh, and like yeah. okay. ma- maybe i i don't know like i also feel that there's um with the, the the best friend character like uh, babysitting the little black kid who also is in Halloween ends he's in the funeral procession. Yes, I noticed weirdly, that. Weirdly yeah. enough, <laughs> um, bring a child to your uh, makeshift funeral procession for a serial killer. Um, I, I maybe I feel like there might be something peanut butter related in there. I I don't know specifically. Okay. I know also at one point we see Michael Myers walking around. And that's where he gets the steak knife from, and like there's a couple like arguing over a sandwich, maybe. So maybe I, I don't know what it's in reference to, but I'm pretty <laughs> sure if I were to rewatch it, I'd be like, oh, yeah, that's what yeah, that definitely, definitely. Um, Ray, that was it. Oh, mother! Oh man, I got peanut butter on my penis. Ew, done. The the other one that I have that I don't remember exactly. I think this has to be something very similar to what you just described about the maybe the babysitting or the the boyfriend girlfriend scenes. Guacamole feeding in sexy ways. Maybe I'm that so that assuming. I have literally no idea. Okay, the yeah. only other thing I this is from 2018 or kill. This, this is 2018. <laughs> That I don't know because I thought maybe it would tie into Big John and Little John with like the little like cheese and like meat platter the uh, Little John's making. Sure, sure. But, uh, no, for no, Halloween yeah. 2018, I do not know where that stems <laughs> from. That's all on you. Allison, I'm like really drunk right now. Seriously, I got really horny at the party and like all these girls were like dancing on me. Their beautiful bodies got me all chubbed out, Allison. I, Allison, please, they like... They were feeding me guacamole in all these sexy ways. I figured we can just take these two because these are the two from 2018. And um, as I get to the others, maybe there's some I won't remember, but I should remember them. I watched those much more recently. Let's just take like, you know, we have some room that couples can go to and order some peanut butter, order some guacamole. And it's just kind of like, you know, I don't think I don't think it's necessarily a fetish. I think that like food being intimate and romantic is a common thing. But so couples can go there and, you know, order some of this stuff and just kind of Get it on, like, conjugal cinematities restaurant visit type of thing. <laughs> conjugal cinematities visit. Okay, that's uh, that's fascinating. Um, the ones I do remember from Halloween 2018 is, one is that when, what, uh, the granddaughter sees the boyfriend kissing some other girl for, like, no reason. I don't think we even know who the other girl is. It's just some, it's just some random chick in a cheetah costume, yeah, if I remember correctly. Yeah. And so it's like he he sees her, runs after her, and she's all freaking out. And she's trying to like call her mom or whoever to Lori to pick her up. And he takes her phone and puts it in like a bowl of custard. Pudding. Yeah, put it whatever the hell that is. Maybe that's the pudding from uh, Corey. <laughs> Maybe it's all connected. <laughs> um, but I figured you know we could have like a. Because uh, I'm sure we have places. Maybe it's on the condiment train. Maybe it's like kind mm. of on like a dessert uh, cart that gets you know shown around uh, type of thing. But it's like a bowl of custard, and there's just like ringing cell phones in it. 
like as a filling, you know, like as a as a mix. It's almost it's like, like putting the filling. stapler in the Jello, like it's that level. Yeah. Of like putting the cell phone in the custard. Yes, but they, this, the phone has to be ringing <laughs> because right, good. the custard, good, good, good. the custard's thick. You can't see through the custard, so you should like the waiter should have say something like you know, oh, and our our dessert of the day is um, you know ringing custard, and the person's like, what do you mean ringing? Like, is it ringing with flavor? Is this like a metaphor or something? And you know, the the dessert cart comes around, and it's just like a bowl and you can hear ringing coming from it <laughs> uh really sincerely what an asshole move on the bo- ex bo- ex-boyfriend i guess that's at that great point. like just tossing a phone in custom i like that i like that though like we, like, we kind of like it's one thing now like we like we look at cell phones and it's the idea that like oh like you probably remember rob once like cell phones became very prominent for like teenagers like in the mid to late 2000s it was the idea of like oh like there goes the fun of throwing somebody in a pool and it's like oh, that's a yeah. that's, that's a weird specific hill to die on, but right. sure. But considering like most cell phones now are designed to last what anywhere from like thirty minutes minimum, like in submerged water, as long as you're not going like deeper than thirty meters. Yeah, it, it's the idea that like the like you could easily take that phone out of the pudding and just like what put it in a bag of rice for a night and it would be fine. <laughs> like, 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 I think it's just more the idea of dipping your hand into the pudding than it is like, oh, a cell phone has been ruined. <laughs> gotcha. Yeah, I dig that. <laughs> it's almost like maybe, maybe if we can, like, if I may do my own version on that, yeah. maybe instead of uh, the ringing pudding, simply just being like, oh, it's pudding that rings. Maybe it's like bobbing for apples. Maybe Ooh. you have to get like, like, like maybe like you have to like bob for a cell phone, and you have to like put your <laughs> like, like, it could be your face, it could be your hands. Who are we to judge how you want to retrieve the? Cell, how do you want to bob for your cell phone? Um, but that's what it is. It's bobbing for cell phones in pudding. I really like that idea. I think that we should though, you know, limit it to to your face and your head going into it yes. because because I'm I'm sure I've never personally bobbed for apples. If I've seen somebody do it, it must have been when I was young at like some weird festival or carnival or some shit like that or event um but i would imagine that if people are bobbing for apples you know you're going to get some people who i don't know just are not the greatest at breathing and so they like actually you know get some water up their nose and it's a little uncomfortable or whatever i would love to see somebody just be like you know freaking out and be like i got custard through my septum you know that type of thing <laughs> rob is it is it possible to mourn for someone who drowns while bobbing for an apple <laughs> Um, depending on how sober they are. <laughs> okay. I think if someone's really messed up on, on like alcohol on anything and, you know, you, you don't have good friends with you and you just like, you know, <laughs> let them drown and it's like, you know, like people drowning in puddles. I'm, like... no, 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 no. I'm not saying like, oh, like somebody like, I don't know, like was unconscious while they were doing, I mean, like someone's just so intent on getting that apple that they drowned. <laughs> they drowned. Like eye on the prize, but on the, but in the worst way possible. That would be that would be very interesting. That's a hell of a way to go, right there. You know, right? Like, the, can you? Is there any way? Speaking of grief, like, is there any way to grieve somebody in that particular death? Like, that that's would... how a character should have died. There should be a character <laughs> bobbing for apples, and Michael just like drowns them in it. That would be a fantastic episode of Law and Order SVU, where a kid dies by doing exactly what you said, being so determined to get an apple, and the cops trying believe everybody else at the party that it was not any of their faults you know exactly that it wasn't like we were warning oh, against it type of thing yeah that's weird <laughs> <laughs> very specific yes, very, yes. very specific um the other two i had from 2018 are very similar they come from i think uh you you mentioned it earlier a sandwich scene it's very very there's like a little cutaway to some cops or something outside of a restaurant and you know it's a very danny mcbride-esque scene 
where you know one oh, of the guys, God, the yeah, peanut butter, like yes, like uh, po boy, yeah, or the, 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 the guy, one of them wants a uh, PB and J banh mi sandwich, and the other one just like I just want a regular banh mi sandwich. Um, so we should have both on the menu, but uh, next to PB and J banh mi, it should say in parentheses gross, and next to regular banh mi, say fantastic, because I love banh mi sandwiches, but peanut butter and jelly. Like, a banh mi is, like, you know, you could have, like, it's a certain type of, like, Vietnamese sauce. You have, like, carrots. You have maybe some chicken, If you, I guess the non-vegetarian versions, like cucumbers. What, what, just, just eat a PB&J if, on, a, on a baguette if you want a PB&J. <laughs> that's a weird, that's, a, that's a, like, it's so funny. It's, like, it's as if the people who wrote that entire sequence in the 2018 film were told, okay, we want you to write the third film in the trilogy. <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> You're so impressed with that one moment. We've decided to give you the reins to the conclusion of all this. <laughs> what could possibly go wrong? Yep. So the other snacks I have, I only have three more after this. I do remember where they all came from. So, so we, we, okay. we've satisfied good, good. that. What did you have, though, before I get to the rest of mine? 2018, I will say that I don't know if you picked up on this, but the actor that's Judy Greer's husband and Allison's father. Oh, Toby is, Huss. He's the uh, okay. Was he the mattress king from Seinfeld? Yes, I'm the king. I'm the king. I'm the king. Toby Huss is great. Ben and I actually recently talked about him because he does the voice of some ghosts in Adventure Time. Um, Toby Huss also plays Nitro in the Kelsey Grammer goofball comedy Down Periscope. Oh, I don't <laughs> which, even know what that is. Which is the only reason I know who Toby Huss really is is because he plays the the. Uh, um, it's a it's so it's such a '90s movie. There's a ragtag group of Navy people, I guess, and they have to get on this submarine uh, run by Kelsey Grammer, and, you know, he's looked, he got just got demoted or something like that, and the ragtag group of these Navy people, they all have their shtick, you know, like, Rob Schneider's the one who takes everything super seriously, there's, like, the ex-mafia boss, uh, the ex-mafia guy who, like, you know, is in witness protection or something, you got, like, the disgraced uh, NBA player, you got Harlan Williams as just a weird dude. Um, you have a woman. Uh, you have you have Nitro, and his name is Nitro, and he's the shift's electrician. It's the best joke in the movie. Everybody's meeting each other, and one guy's like, "Oh, hey, what's up? My name's blah blah blah. What's yours?" And Toby Huss says, "My name's Nitro." And the guy goes, "Oh, wow, that's a cool nickname." And Toby Huss's response is, "It's actually not a nickname, but I am trying to work on a nickname. What do you think of this, Mike?" <laughs> I fucking love that joke. Oh it's, my it's god! It's delivered so deadpan. Toby Huss is great. Oh, sorry. Name's Buckman. Uh, Nitro. Hi. Huh? Interesting nickname. What's your real name? Nitro. I'm working on a nickname though. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, listen to this. Mike. Um, but then of course he dies. Like I said earlier, by uh, trusting a cop car. Which is just a bad move, you know, in general. <laughs> great, great, great. It's funny how nobody has time to mourn him either. Like, he is very much just a generic casualty in all this. Yeah, he doesn't even seem to be, like, cared about in the second and third movies. Like, there's maybe one line where, you know, somebody says to Judy Greer, or the granddaughter says, like, he killed dad or something like that. Yeah, and like, he – very, very disposable uh, character. Yeah, yeah. But Toby Huss is awesome. He's, he's, he's good. And, uh, I like him whenever, I, whenever he pops up. Um, but did you want mattresses from Toby Huss, the Mattress King? <laughs> I well, well, I don't know about that. I just okay. found that because you were bringing him up, obviously, because he he his death segues into all that. Um, sure. I like the bathroom where, like, if you're in a bathroom stall and someone's like starts like dropping teeth. 
like outside oh, yeah. the stall. I like that. Oh, yeah, like, those we didn't annoying talk... podcasters. Yeah, we didn't really talk about the podcasters. Considering that this is a podcast, we did not spend <laughs> any time on the podcasters, who like they're annoying, but they're not over the top annoying. Sure, like they're they're just they're just the right amount of annoying. Yeah, enough so that when they get killed in the first movie, I'm like fine with it. You know, I'm like okay, good. You know, it's uh, it's not as as much as I feel when the bullies die and ends, where I'm like oh, I'm so about this. You know, they deserve to die. It, but the podcasters, it is that is interesting. I almost forgot about the teeth being dropped. That is that is pretty pretty gnarly. And we and when that whole death is happening with the dude, like we just see him getting like what like or the um, mechanic getting his head like smashed into the wall. It's like yeah. out of frame in the background, or, um, uh, blurred. Out of focus in the background. Yep, yep. And then even how Michael gets his mask. Like, he just gets to have a trunk. Like, it's it's not this, like, grand, grand moment. Like, think of the Friday the 13th remake where, like, we see him, like, I don't know where it is with the hillbilly. Mm. Like, that shit ain't right, dude. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, and, like, we see him get, like, like he puts the hockey, he sees the hockey mask and it's, like, glowing in the light. He puts <laughs> it on. The music starts to swell. He looks at himself in the mirror. There's none of that. He just, like, opens the trunk and puts it on. And it's kind of like, okay, like we did, like this is obviously a moment. Yeah. But it's not this grandiose moment. Yeah, the simplicity, like we were saying in the first one. Fine, excellent, it's all you need. <laughs> exactly. So, like I said, I want some uh, teeth outside the bathroom stall. That's that's okay. really the only. Uh, I like the idea of someone trying to use the bathroom, and that's like happening, and like just like the really aggressive banging on the stall. Oh, of course, which is actually completely realistic. You know, anytime you're in a public bathroom inside the stall, and anybody you know wants to see if anybody's in there, you grab the stall door from the top and bottom and shake it as hard as possible in every direction. That's just, exactly. That's just the American like culture. You know. <laughs> exactly. It's up there with American Pie. Which is which is uh, why the the female podcaster in the stall is so freaked out because they're not American, so they don't understand that that's the that's the common that's thing. A custom. Yeah, that's just like the, in all honesty, Michael wasn't doing anything wrong in that moment. No, there was no, nothing. Ag- there was nothing unnecessarily aggressive about that. If anything, I think that he he might have been trying to thank her for bringing the mask back. Exactly, <laughs> stupid. See, they call us ugly Americans. <laughs> No, the the I definitely I found them annoying. You know, like the right amount, like the thing when they get to Laurie Strode's house and the guys like we're podcasters and the girls like investigative journalists. You know, and it's like <laughs> is that Jesus Rob, Christ? <laughs> is, is that what we're gonna start calling ourselves now? Investigative journalists? Like, um, should we start doing that? Should we adopt that? Should we appropriate that term? If we if we start, I think if we started discussing something other than movies and TV shows, I don't, I don't know, know Rob, how investigative stuff, you can be about some, this. Stuff. Some of this stuff. Remember, Rob, we talked about scary tales. If that's that's not That's investigative true. journalism. <laughs> I don't know what is. Movie reviews with a hint of investigative journalism. <laughs> <laughs> we found ourselves a new opening to every episode. Yeah, there you go. Yep. Um, no, the teeth or, is good, though. I like the teeth. All right. Snacks for kills, Rob. I only had one, and I mentioned it before. The Little John and Big John's Flight of Honey. Mm. I, 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 I find that very crazy. I, I know you mentioned the um, what the cheese and like charcuterie platter that uh, Little John is setting up. But then we just see, like, it's just, like, three wooden bowls, and there's just, like, honey, and he's got the little, like, honeycomb twirler thing, which I don't even know if there's a name for. I've only ever seen the fucking Cheerios be used I know, it, you know, right? I, I know it's a real utensil, but, like, it's one of those ones, like, how often do you use this that you have? It's, like, one of those things you would see, like, in a Williams and Sonoma for, like, $75 and be like, who is this for? <laughs> yeah, exactly. But then I'm also confused, like, does he have, we only see one, is there one for each thing of honey? Because that thing looks fucking impossible to clean. So it's like, if you have three different types of honey, and you're trying to taste them all, and maybe put them on a cracker or triscuit or something 
like once you dip that little utensil in one of the honeys, like it's going to contaminate, cross contaminate the honey. Like I don't, I don't understand it from any perspective. I don't understand it from just Madness. seeing it. I, I don't understand it after thinking about it. Um, but that is just it checks the two boxes that it means it should be in our restaurant. <laughs> I will say okay, because like again, you, that is probably their entire sequences are the most with food and just consumption of yes. Stuff, yeah. I will say that like going back to the uh, the second insane insane person who jumps out the window at the hospital, I think we should have some brain matter uh, spaghettios. Like I'm not like I'll leave sure. it up to Rob to decide if there's actual brain matter. Um, I think during the Hannibal discussion there might be some brain matter on the, the there menu. Has to be, yeah. There has to be. So I I think we should have some brain matter spaghettios. Okay, I like that. I like that. Um. <laughs> <laughs> I want to see, like, you know, um, just like, uh, what are they, al- alphabetos, the alphabet spaghetti? Oh, the, ge- the generic, the generic version? Yeah, yeah, like with brain matter, you know, and stuff like that, and uh, that, that's 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 a good well. There's a lot you can do with that, for sure. <laughs> it's a versatile dish, very yes, versatile. Absolutely. I mean, you could even get something like, you know, any of those other um, varieties they have of, like, the Chef Boyardee. Like, Chef Boyardee brain ravioli that just mm. plops out of a can, you know? <laughs> cool. Somehow it's even more gross coming out of a can. Right, yeah. <laughs> and the way it's delivered to you is uh, that they, they use a can opener to open the can, like, a little bit, but not the whole way. And then from a great height, the waiter slams the can down on your table so it all blows up and everybody just has to kind of eat it from there. <laughs> And maybe mourn that Great. evil didn't die that night or whatever. And evil did not die it. that night. No, no, not at all. <laughs> um, but oh, that, that's God. a good one from Kills. Uh, yeah, then the only other two I have are from Ends. And these are just the straight up like food things that I saw. Uh, I was, I think, you know, I was so baffled, like we were saying when we were discussing Ends, that I wasn't looking or thinking of a lot of other foods or experiences. As Jamie Lee Curtis makes a completely charred yes. pumpkin pie. Oh, yeah. And I would also like to expand on that. Not only could the people, our customers, order a completely charred pumpkin pie, they could get it with a topping of, like, sink faucet water. Because mm. we see Jamie Lee Curtis when it's, like, like smoking and it's like, oh, it's ruined. She doesn't use the fire extinguisher. She puts it in the sink and runs water over it. I know. And I'm like, that's not really the way I would have handled it, but okay. <laughs> um, so I'm thinking it's like, you know, like, I want, the, I want the completely charred pumpkin pie with or without water type of thing. <laughs> Here's a question: Is there any like, is there anybody in the last oh, I'm gonna say 30 years who has ever overbaked something to that level where it starts smoking in the oven for any other reason than simply they they fell asleep with the oven on? Is it possible to cook something that much and not smell it burning first before it in an electric oven catches yeah, on that's fire? That's a good point, especially because the implication is that she's just writing in her book or, or exactly. writing her book. Yeah, and so it's like, why wouldn't you smell that? The smell that? would the smell yeah. would wait before like. It would ever get to that point. You would smell something burning. Definitely. Definitely. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you. <laughs> Very strange, Rob. And I guess for mine, um, I got two. Um, I have, obviously, uh, off-brand YooHoo. I think that goes uh, without saying. Yes, I, that ties Yoo-Hoo. into the, uh, the other one I had. I would like to do that, but in a broken glass container. From yes. like when Corey somehow squeezes the shit out of a glass YooHoo container. You know? He breaks it with his bare hand. That's that one, cannot be easy to do. I mean, that's one thing. Another thing I think that there's the shit missing from this movie. There's no reason to think Corey is as strong as Michael Myers. Dude, I mean, like, 
fucking back when Snapple was glass bottles. I remember like one time I was in the car with my dad and he like backed up, you know, down in the Bronx or something and he ran over like somehow he was able to like not have it just roll away. But like the tire went over and crushed a glass Snapple bottle and it fucking sounded like a bomb went off. Like those things are very difficult to break. Especially you who if you're giving them to kids like you have to imagine that you don't want them to be like, oh, this is sugar glass, so if your kid accidentally drops it, they're going to have glass all over the place. Like, that is, it's it's stupid. But we should still have, you know, just like glass containers with shards sticking out of the top and just chocolate milk in it. <laughs> mm, no, no, I completely agree. And the last one is I want to do some sort of uh, flambang that involves uh, a blowtorch. Oh, of course. Yes, yes. Blow, I don't think we mentioned that blowtorch to the bully's face is pretty cool. I was I was fine. That's with that, a, no, Kim. that's up there with the DJ in the tongue. That, yeah, those are the yeah. only like I know Rob and I have talked about it a lot that like I look at these movies as like oh the kills like ever since Jason goes to hell and I'm like Rob it's the best kill in the movie somebody's impaled <laughs> during sex and their torso is ripped in half and Rob's like. Zach looks at these movies in a way yes. that I don't. It's like, <laughs> and and I, I have to say, the tongue and the blowtorch is good, but the blowtorch is freaking like out of focus. Like it's so, yeah. so like don't even do the the few good things right. And it's like, but yes, I think there should be some flambang with a blowtorch. Okay, I dig that. I maybe like, like that. a dessert in the shape of a bully's head, and then like maybe we'll take one of the bullies that like goes around and calls like other people in the restaurant a certain derogatory term, and we'll do that, and like we'll flambe their face. But like, <laughs> okay, we only do like it. We only do it like once every five. Like how about this? Like once the bullies are no longer like middle school age, much like uh, like yes. Leonardo DiCaprio and girlfriends. Like once they hit a certain age, like we take them and we make them a meal. <laughs> Yeah, we have to we turn them around that way. Absolutely. I also also I really like the idea going back to the pumpkin pie. If a table at a restaurant ordered a pumpkin pie and it's like, oh, we do that here where we bring out the actual like well baked finished pumpkin pie and then we're going to toast it for you, you know, and then the waiter just proceeds to in front of an entire family burn the shit out of this pumpkin pie with a blowtorch you know (laughs) (laughs) this like ruin a perfectly good thing in front of them yes and and maybe someone from the of the customer's table is like is this like is this like a pepper grinder am i supposed to say when because i didn't want this at all (laughs) it's it's a perfect representation of halloween ends bringing out a perfectly good thing and then (laughs) just burning it in front of the audience (laughs) being like do i tell you when to stop do i <laughs> perfect rob perfect way to end this discussion perfect oh right on well yep we did it we did the uh, modern halloween trilogy uh we'll put on the docket um when tyler perry gets to direct it like i said i can't wait to see where it goes and what they retcon ignore add in like Medea's halloween and stuff like that i guess you know then before we ask what we're going to play in reverse um if you uh want to explain to Zach and I, what your interpretation of Michael Myers looking into the eyes of Corey is. Is it possession? Is it imbuement of evil? Is it the split ending where he sees him as an equal? If you have another theory, we would love to know. You can always email us at cinematics at gmail.com. If you like what you heard and you want some more just uh, crazy nonsense discussions about uh, these types of movies, definitely head on over to the Cinemodities Patreon, uh, patreon.com slash cinemodities, where um, in this month of uh, Halloween, we have done some things that are a little more related to um, spooky things. I'm pretty sure the Adventure Time episode we covered this month involves the um, the ghosts and Marceline, so that's, that's spooky. And we uh, Ben and I did cover Barbarian over there, so if you want to hear our thoughts and f- complete spoilers on Barbarian, we got that out pretty pretty recently as well. 
any anything else? What do we do at the end of these episodes, Zach? Other than the song, we got to do the song. Right? Don't fear the reaper. We I cannot I, do. I, I, <laughs> yes, we have to. We oh, have to. No. Do you remember? Okay. Do you remember Charlie's Angels Full Throttle, where it's just like out of nowhere. It's any way you want. Yes. It. That's the way. You, like it's that level. It is of just oh, like dear God. When you put it that way, you're right. You're absolutely right. It's that right. level. It's that level of like <laughs> you see. Uh, they're like like again. We have Laurie Strode and what's his name Hawkins, and they're sitting there talking to each other. It's like the cherry blossom, the time of year. Blah blah blah. And then, like, we see the like the Michael Myers like moldy mask like on a coffee table, yeah. and it's don't fear the reaper. And it's like, <laughs> oh my god! It's like, what the hell just happened? Did the sound editor have a stroke and it just went into final like cut at the exact same time? Yeah, that, okay, yeah, that's right. I I was definitely going to suggest uh, Halloween by the Dead Kennedys, but I would imagine if you did not, if you don't know the Dead Kennedys, or if you didn't, if you watch this movie without subtitles then you would not even know that's the Dead Kennedys because there's so much other fucking noise in that party scene. Um, so, okay, I guess Blue Oyster Cult, I guess that's what we got to do. It's not there because it's, like, we're not doing it for the low-hanging fruit, Rob. We're doing it because of how jarring it is. It is, it is very the... jarring. It's a horrible, horrible needle drop for this movie. It is. <laughs> it really is, but it's worth it. Yeah.